Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, there we are. Uh... Hello, I am Danny Austin. This is the uh, Just a Game with Rob Kerr, although neither of us are Rob Kerr. Uh, as I said, I'm Danny Austin, and you are Cammy Kapke. Oh, I thought you forgot for a second. No, no, I, I was trying to like prompt you. I was um, having a pretty good chuckle, though, like just listening to the lyrics of Rob's song and just kind of like watching you sweat over there, waiting to see if there's a countdown or so not. So if you're wondering <laughs> whether I know how the countdown works to start this show... I do not. Um, so there was a lot of like right before we went on air, me being like, "How does this start? What, what, what's happening, Cammy?" Um, you didn't help. You just let me let me sweat over here. It was not great. I mean, you know, lots of things. You figured it out. Here we are. Smiling. We're doing it. Talking words. We're really doing Same it. Same stuff. Um, Cammy, how are you? It is uh, Wednesday, May seventeenth, here in a very smoky uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. How are you holding up? It's awful out there. Like, I had already, like, lost my voice. So I sounded like Gollum for a couple of days. And now, like, I don't know. You know, you just want to, like, you want to go hike. You want to golf and you can't. Yeah. There's, like, a pond by me. So I kind of just, like, go to the backyard and, like, chip a couple balls over the fence into some water and then hustle back in. Yeah. I mean, I want to do my job, which is mostly to cover the Calgary Stampeders. And I couldn't do it today because uh, the air quality was too bad. And they have to they, move inside again? Yeah. Uh, well, Normally, they have a couple indoor facilities that they rotate, but um, none of them were available. So for the first time, I've been covering the Calgary Stampeders since 2016, and I may be wrong, but in for the first time in seven years that I've covered the team, um, practice was canceled. I mean, I guess they canceled a lot of practices in 2020 when the CFO was the only league to not um, to not play. But other than that, um, yeah. So it is it is awful here. I hope everyone out there is is staying safe. Obviously. Um, you know, there is like a funny component just because it's a apocalyptic hellscape out there, but there's a more serious side and we, we hope everyone's, you know, staying happy and healthy and, and staying inside if you can. But it's nasty. Like I, a couple of years ago, I tried to, uh, 2020, just because, you know, there wasn't that much stuff you could do. You were allowed to go out and hike. I decided once like, yeah, let's just go hike. We can tough it out through the smoke. We're young, we're fit. Mm-hmm. It was so gross at the top of, um, Surreal Ridge, I had to pop out my contacts and like wash them with my water bottle because they got gunked up from the smoke. That's gross. Disgusting. Yeah. And it's mid-May. This is earlier than normal. Um, let's talk sports. That This is just a game is a sports 
podcast slash YouTube show. Uh, not sure what we actually call that. Should have should have clarified before uh, co-hosting. Last the time, Noodle Noodle Studio, um, lest yeah. we forget. This is supposed to be our third time sort of co-hosting together. Um, last time was on the day that Daryl Sutter was fired. So I had to go to the Saturdome and you very graciously and super professionally stepped in and hosted on your own. So um, I want to, again, it's about a, what, three weeks a month removed from that. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, here we are. We're here together. We've got, I don't know, I really think we've got a great lineup of guests. We've got Peter Marr, an absolute legend. Um, a guy who honestly, like I've been in the same room with just as a, as a Flames reporter. And obviously like I'm very well aware of who he is. He's a Titan. I know he's been on the show with Rob a number of times, but um, I've actually never, I don't think I've said a word to the guy. So I'm actually pretty excited. It's going to be cool to get to pick his brain a little bit. Um, obviously a big figure, you growing up in Western Canada, oh, Peter's, yeah. a, Peter's a big deal to you stories for days yeah yeah he's got everything and just you know one of those voices where even as a kid if you don't really know the lore or the backstory you know the voice exactly even if you're not from alberta exactly um and then we got my friend and yours uh solemn valji from tsn can't wait to have him on danny Uh, is so looking forward to putting him in the hot seat put him in the hot seat if he wears a suit here the question is whether he wears a suit um, I like I I love Solemn. He's legitimately a good friend. We play on the same slow pitch team, which I'm sure our audience is going to be hyped to hear me get into because I've got some thoughts on slow pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, good friend of both of ours, and uh, it's going to be super fun. But the guy wears suits. Like you think it's just when he's on air, but he wears suits everywhere. So, but the thing is, okay, so especially covering the Flames. Generally, I think this year, sometimes Donna Spencer from Canadian Press is there, but generally I've been the only woman up there (laughs) for Calgary Media last season. Yeah, Yeah. but I dress like a slob. I wear the same old boots every day. The guys are so obsessed with what they wear. Ryan Leslie and Francis talking about their suits. What pocket square should I wear? Solemn gets a custom leather jacket from Morocco. You're in a constant sweater contest with Julian McKenzie. That's true. It's true. Um, we need a style ranking just for the male reporters. Yeah, I mean, I don't wear suits. Let's be clear. Um, why do I not wear suits? Because I have three suits, um, all bought before I maybe gained a little bit of weight. Um, so I like if I was invited or not invited, if if there was a funeral that I had to attend right now, like I couldn't. My suit doesn't fit. So um, that's the main reason I don't wear suits. But you know, I try. Um, yeah, there. I don't know if I had the suits that those TV guys had. I'd, no, it's still, it's still very style obsessed. It's just dork, a different but... style. You're the only person I know who could identify what sneakers Blake Coleman is wearing. Well, they're Jordan ones. Um, they're very sick. Um, we're going to make fun of Solemn for wearing suits more later. So let's just... Uh, we do have sports start. happening right now. We have sports happening right now. So um, I'm going to kind of just, just read this off because given that the Flames aren't playing, given that the Stampede season hasn't started, you know, it, it this kind of puts it in perspective. But... Um, you know, this is a actually really, really busy week for, for Calgary sports. Um, and this is before the surge even get going in, mm-hmm. in what, a week and a half, two weeks now? Uh, yeah, 27th is tip-off against yeah. the uh, Edmonton Stingers. Exactly. Up at Winsport. That's going to be great. Which I want to – I know you're you're pretty hyped about, so am I. Um, but starting tonight, 
Calgary Wranglers, they are down 2-1 in their Pacific Division Championship Series against the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, they're trying to, you know, fight off elimination in Palm Springs. That game gets started at 7. Um, should they win, Game 5 goes Friday, 7 p.m. as well. Um, we're going to talk, I assume, a fair bit about the Wranglers because I know both of us have actually really, really been enjoying the playoffs. But, uh, it, uh, I don't know, I want it to keep going. Like, it's not a cheering for them thing, but I've, I've really enjoyed getting to go to the Dome, um, you know, hockey this late in the season is not always a thing here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you've managed to make it to a couple games? Yeah, um, I went out to the Abbotsford series. I was uh, out of town last week, but you know, just like following along, but like it's been really good hockey. People are really buying into it. They've had like, you know, the pom-poms and stuff that they're handing out at the games. People are really like feeding into that. The kids are loving like the the barnyard noises that they're playing there mm-hmm. now. And I actually saw Daryl Sutter in the stands uh, yeah, as a fan, watching. I mean, all his the games. son plays for for the team, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I also and we still have Chris Sutter. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, absolutely. We still have Chris Sutter time. Um, you follow Cavalry much more closely than I do, which is something I actually regret. Like I've loved every game that I've gone to. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's I live downtown. It's pretty far south. And to be honest, when I get a day off in the summer on the weekend, I typically don't want anything to do with sports so um i have i do not follow calvary i love them huge huge support of what they're doing but um you know they're away this weekend they're in ottawa playing atletico on sunday but then next sunday they're back here at echo field um playing york united but tell me right now i know it's early tell me the story of their season so far what am i missing unfortunately the actually uh may 21st is when they are back at atco field really huh yep I would have thought I would have got that right because I literally just copied it from the website, but I believe you. Um, Oh, no. uh, The thing is, um, for hockey, it's, uh, you know, normally... uh... Nope, nope, never mind. It is listed that way. No. I don't know. I don't know. May 21st, (laughs) they're hosting Atletico Ottawa. Ottawa finished uh, second. They lost to Forge in the final last season. So are they not at home on the 28th? This is fascinating. No, they are in York on the 28th. Huh, yeah. What do you know? Well, guys, I apologize. Okay, no, I see what it is. You know how hockey, it's always like Calgary at Edmonton? Yeah. It is not set up that way on the website. You have to look at the venue to make sure you got it right. Got it. I also was looking on Google, um, and typically the home team for most sports is listed second. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah. This is my Guys, this is my second time hosting. There's going to be mistakes. I'm going to get things well, wrong. Story of the um, season for the, the Cavs, dates though. of games wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, solid start, I'm but a professional honestly, journalist. Yeah, the story of the season is that the Cavs got to hang on to a lead. Okay. They've been there. They uh, were able to uh, tie it up late on a penalty kick against the Halifax Wanderers last weekend. So, you know, this just draws across the board. The day that you were unable to join me in here, actually, though, our guest, Meyer Bevan, the Kiwi sensation, is leading the league in goals, and he's got three to his name so far. What do you know? Mm-hmm. I love the. So, like, they've got some scoring. They haven't been held off the sheet. They just got to hang on. All right. Well, maybe a little more attack to the midfield. I, I don't feel qualified to offer an opinion, except, like, you know, I, I hope they, they do better at that. Um, it is worth noting that we are hanging on to talking any flames here just because we have Peter and then Solemn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you are a viewer wondering uh, why we are not touching the. the Big stories of the day. We are burying the lead a little bit, but it oh, is because we are getting there. What's we're going to talk about some coyotes. Yeah, we're we've got some we've got lots of NHL to talk about, but we're just kind of trying to make sure we get through a couple other things. Um, another thing, pardon me. Go international. 
Canada's on the ice right now. How how are they doing in the World Championships right now? Well, I mean, they're undefeated right now. But um, like what? Like in the game? Okay, so five one against Kazakhstan. Okay. Shocking. What period? Huh? Third. Would you expect us to be beating Kazakhstan by more than four goals? Okay. It's not real juniors. They don't need to pump them 12. Fair. 12 for it. But why it's interesting to us, Mackenzie Weger, continuing his little tear there, he opened up the scoring. He's got a nice little apple there. Mr. Milan Lucic just registered an assist. So the guys are going. And, like, we've talked about Worlds before. Our buddy Aaron Vickers uh, is over there right now. He's attended a lot of world championships. He sees it as something where the players are a lot more relaxed, a lot more open, especially with reporters, even if, you know, it's reporters that they see all the time at home with their NHL teams. And it can really be a boost for guys. I think of Andrew Mangiapane having a big breakout at Worlds uh, two seasons ago, and then, you know, he came into the regular season, and he was fantastic. And, you know, he was... I think he'll bounce back next season, but... Obviously, he's not there now recovering from uh, surgery, but this could be a boost for guys like a Mackenzie Weger, like uh, not like Tyler Toffoli needs right. it, but even like a Milan Lucic to kind of, you know, get that confidence and get back into a no-pressure fun of the game. It's like the Beauty League International. Um, put a couple in against Kazakhstan, and who knows what happens next season. I think it's uh, – you're right. Um, but, you know, it's fun. Like, why would you not want to be playing – semi-meaningful hockey with your buddies in Riga. I couldn't agree more. Send me to Latvia. Literally anybody. would love to go. Um, Calgary Roughnecks. Another team that you follow that I absolutely do not. So, uh, not that I don't mean to. Not that I don't, not that I don't want to. Again, it is weekend games um, where if I get time off on the weekend, I typically do not go to sports. Um, Tell me. I mean, I know they're hosting the Colorado Mammoth game three. On Saturday night, NLL Western Conference final at the Saturday. Winner's going to go on to take the Buffalo Bandits in the final. It has been a crazy, I think, unexpected season for the Roughnecks. All you could talk about coming into this was they lost Curtis Superman Dixon. That's huge. We knew they would have to be scoring by committee, and they delivered with their best regular season in franchise history. And... Curtis Dixon and the San Diego Seals taken out by Colorado in the first round. Colorado eliminated Calgary last year. And these have been tight games. Calgary's hanging in there with them. They let the lead slip away in game one. And they definitely have the firepower to, you know, force this thing and go on to the final. Tyler Pace had a hat trick and four assists. Tanner Cook had a hat trick. Jesse King, the new captain, he had a, uh, he scored twice and had six assists in that last game. It's been insane. And the Courier brothers have, you know, been big in transition. They have their goalie, Christian Del Bianco, up for goalie of the year. Courier's up for transition player of the year. Zach, not Josh. Kurt Miloski up for coach of the year. Mike Board up for GM of the year. Like, it's insane how well this has been going. But, you know, they had just under 8,000 fans last weekend and... You know, they pretty regularly get up over 10,000, and I would hope they could do so this weekend. So fans, get out there. I'm pretty sure the tickets are 20% off right now. So, Aren't they 20% off a price that was increased for the playoffs, though? Ooh, unsure. I'm not 100% sure on that either. <laughs> Probably shouldn't comment too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I again, Roughnecks. Honestly, all of the young people at CSEC like, really, really love the Roughnecks. So it's just like... As someone in my late 30s, it's just 
it's just intimidating. Um, you know, they're because always... they have big personalities. I think it's a yeah. lot of why you like football as well. Yeah, it's like guys who this isn't all they do. They have like a full fledged doctor on their team. <sighs> I mean that that really puts puts in perspective, doesn't it? Okay, <laughs> um, speaking of football, because I think we've only got probably a minute or two before Peter hops on here. Um, St. Peter's, I don't know, for those, I my main job is covering the Calgary St. Peter's, so I will just quickly say, uh, it's been super fun. They are back on the field, not today, or yesterday at McMahon Stadium, but uh, training camp is going on. Um, honestly, super interesting team this year. Uh, a lot of turnover, a lot of... A lot of veterans who sort of moved on, almost all of them to Hamilton. Um, but yeah, they honestly, I, I, when I went to sort of build their their depth chart, I was sort of surprised by how few holes there actually were. Um, and linebacker, but not not much else. So, um, oh, right tackle. But those are sort of the two big positions that um, you know you'd worry about. And other than that, they've got guys with experience. Um, you know, maybe guys with filled in for injury. So I'm really excited. They are playing the Edmonton Elks on Monday. Uh, kickoff at McMahon is 2 p.m. And uh, that means I can get to my slow pitch game afterwards, which I'm uh, really excited about because I got – I was not happy with the way that my my most recent slow pitch game went. And I'm going to – when Solomon gets here, we're going to talk about it. Um, which I know is just such good radio. People love hearing me talk about my recreational B slow pitch team. But um, we're going to – On the note of the stamps, though, I am curious to see, like, who do you see filling the role of Therm? What's that um, competition for that position look like? I think Perry Young has looked really, really good at camp so far. Silas Stewart would have been – no, Micah Alway would have been my front runner. He's played in BC, played, I believe, in Ottawa, uh, definitely played in Montreal, has some CFL experience. Um, he was their sort of free agent signing. But Silas Stewart filled in a couple games for Thurm last year. Uh, I think Perry Young, everything I've heard, has just had an exceptional start to the camp. So I think those two are, are absolutely sort of um, ready to go and available. Um, and I think they're, they're going to have big roles to play one way or another. But, like, I wrote about this yesterday, to be honest. If you go back to 2018, which is Alex Singleton's last year, Singleton goes, signs with the Eagles. Then We didn't know. This was one of the questions going into 2019. Who was going to be middle linebacker? It was Corey Greenwood, played most of the year, got hurt, went to McManus, stepped in. He was – sorry, McManus went to the NFL later in the year. 2020, the season's canceled because the CFL can't get its act together. 2021, um, we had no idea who it was going to be. It was Darnell Sankey. Did he lead the league in tackles? I believe he did. If not, he was second. It was exceptional. Um, and then last year, we weren't sure if Thurman could make the move from, from Will to Mike. And he absolutely thrived and was one of the best linebackers in the league. This is a question that has happened every single year in the Stampeder system. Is, is sort of built around that middle linebacker and they slot guys in and they typically don't have a problem. So it's one of those ones where like you use this, lose this titanic figure in Jameer Thurman, a leader in the locker room. That stuff worries me more than anything that happens on the field. And I still think that there are leaders in that locker room who can fill that void. So um, yeah, that's sort, of, that's sort of my answer to that. You talk about titanic figures. I mean, we're going to talk more stamps when Solom gets in here because obviously he covers them as well. But Titans... The legend straight from the banks of the Restigouche River. I see Peter Marr down here. See there? We got him. I see him. Let's do it. Try to Campbellton. Get up. <laughs> Hello, Peter. Howdy, 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 crew. How are Good you doing today? How are you uh, handling the smoke? Pardon me? How are you handling the smoke? Is everything everything going okay? Uh, I'm being very careful with it because I have uh, some lung issues from a uh, a health event I had a few years ago, so I'm uh, 
staying indoors for the most part. I'm yesterday so- and again today, although today's not as bad as it was yesterday out there by the look of it. So no, but um, anyway, I'm surviving. Good to hear. Yeah, we gotta we gotta stay safe out there. Um, it has been an interesting start to the off season for the Calgary Stampede or the Calgary Flames. I am sorry. Um, I want to ask you because you know this organization and its history better than anyone. Have you heard anything? Or, or are they entering the the home stretch in their GM search? Should we be expecting news soon? Danny, I would say so. I don't have any inside information, but I do know that they have uh, meetings coming up next week with their scouts to prepare for the uh, upcoming uh, NHL draft. So usually you'd like to have your general manager in place for those meetings because he's, uh, he's going to have a, you know, a big say when they get to the, the NHL draft that's coming up in, in Nashville. Uh, but, uh, and also they have some pretty big decisions to make with regard to playing personnel. You know, they've got seven players on this flame team that are uh, eligible to um, sign uh, extended contracts with the team on, on July one. Uh, because they're then they'll be going into their uh, final year of their contracts, and they're very important players there. Like uh, they got Backlund and Lindholm and Defoli, uh, Dubé, Hannafin, uh, Tanev, and uh, and Zadorov. Uh, these guys are uh, are players that um, they I'm sure like to have going forward for for a, for a long term. Do they want to stay here long term? And I think they need to find out from these guys fairly soon uh, what their uh, future plans are going to be. Uh, they can't afford to have another situation like they had last year when Johnny Goodrow at the last minute informed them that he's uh, not going to resign here and uh, they end up losing his services for nothing. So, uh, you know, to me, they've got to sit down and uh, chat with the agents for these guys. And generally, you would do that when you have your general manager in place. So um, it's going to be real interesting to see who is selected, obviously, to be general manager. And one of his first tasks is going to be that. He he can't afford to... uh, sit around and wait now july 1st is the date that they uh, that date and beyond is when they can sign contract extensions to these players if they can make some kind of agreement but as we all know things go on behind the scenes it at least can rush these uh, things up to that particular point and then make the official signing later so to me it's very very critical with these guys uh, if, if they're not going to uh, give an indication that uh, they're willing to uh, commit to a, a longer term contract with the team I think they've got to make moves and they've got to make some moves during the off season. Uh, if you, you know, some would say, well, wait until the, uh, wait until the trade deadline comes later in the season. But the problem with that is that if you get to the trade deadline and you have your team in a good uh, spot to make the playoffs and having a good year, you don't want to release these players because it might weaken your team and end the chemistry on the hockey club. So, um, and then your, your return might not be as good either. So if you can move these guys during the offseason, if you feel that they're not going to resign, uh, then you can get a decent return in exchange for them. So to me, that means, you know, that the, the, you know, the hiring of this general manager has to be fairly soon. And from all I'm hearing, they've uh, talked to a number of uh, people with regard to that job, both within the organization and outside. And as I stipulated, or as I mentioned when I was on with Rob here a couple of weeks ago, it's a very key aspect of them. When they're interviewing, they should interview as many as 10 to 12 from other uh, that uh, are not within the flame organization to get their opinion and what they think uh, are some of the problems that the flames have or some of the issues that they may have. These are some of these things, maybe something they had noticed, even if they haven't decided. Maybe they've decided to give the job to Danny Austin and um, they should still talk to these people (laughs) uh, just to get their insights on what they feel the team is. So. 
uh, as I say, we're getting very close to having uh, a GM uh, hiring with the Flames. Of course, you... um, having an idea of what the long-term plan is, who the coaching uh, personnel will be, who the GM will be, could have an impact on whether these players decide to re-sign or not. But uh, in your experience, uh, historically, whether it's within the Flames organization or outside, do GMs, when they're interviewing, typically come in with a head coach candidate in mind when there is still a vacancy at that position? Um, well, um, when you look at the, the flame, you, you talk about the coaching situation. Yeah. I yeah, think so. Or yeah. like, uh, when, uh, GMs are interviewing, if, uh, you know, if someone's interviewing Danny for a GM job, would he typically come in saying, this is the kind of head coach I envision working with this team? Yeah, I think it's, it, 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 that's the other important part of all of this, getting the general manager in place is they, they also have to get a coach now. It's not as important to get a, a coach in line for the uh, for the draft that comes up in the latter part of uh, June. But uh, you know, if you have your coach in place by then, okay. But the, the coach doesn't have a whole lot of say what goes on at the draft. But we'll have a, a lot to say or something to say when they get into the free agency starting on on July the first. So uh, that you know, the coaching situation is something they're going to have. The new GM is also going to have to promptly jump into and and make some decisions with uh, interviewing various coaches and again the same thing as i was mentioning earlier they should talk to as many coaching candidates as 10 or 12 outside of their own organization uh, to get their particular thoughts on what they think of the flames team what are some of the situations they feel uh, need to be improved that are problems or, or whatever because there's always something that you may have overlooked in that situation and it's interesting i was asked by a flame fan uh, a couple of days ago should they go after a coach that's been recycled, a coach that's been coached other teams in the NHL, or should they bring someone in that has not coached previously in, in the NHL? Uh, and, you know, when you look at it, with the, the four teams that are left in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs right now, three of those coaches are recycled. And those three are all coaching teams for the first year, uh, first time this year. And uh, the only one that's been around for a long period of time among the four coaches that are remaining is Rob Brindamore with uh, with Carolina, and he practically uh, retired as a player and then became a coach with the Hurricanes and has done an outstanding job there. But when you look at um, you look at the uh, the Dallas coach uh, Peter DeBoer, he's coaching. Uh, he's that's Dallas's fourth coach in the last five years. And you look at the Vegas with their coach uh, Bruce Cassidy. Uh, he is their third coach in three years, and Cassidy was fired last year as coach of uh, the Boston Bruins. So it's uh, you know it's a real interesting situation when you see how many coaches these these teams have uh, have gone through uh, in recent years. You look at the Flames, and the next coach they hire is going to be their sixth coach in ten years. So uh, you know that's an awful lot of coaches over that uh, period of time. Yet you look at the coaches that uh, have have great stability. I mentioned Rod Brindamore with the number of years and the success he's had with uh, the Hurricanes, and then you've also got um, you've also got. Um, uh, in uh, John Cooper in Tampa, who's coached that team for 10 years and has you know, led them to three, uh, two Stanley Cups and also got them to a Stanley Cup final last year. So uh, when you're looking at what kind of coach you want, those are some of the examples that you can throw out there. So a lot of people say they shouldn't be recycling coaches. But when you look at that, I mean, three of the four that are in there are recycled coaches now uh, that could lead their team this year to the, to the Stanley Cup uh, championship. You know, and in the flame situation, and, and uh, Danny, your uh, your papers, the Sun and the Herald today, uh, having a feature on uh, Mitch Love, the coach of the uh, the Calgary Wranglers, 
and mentioning him as a possible uh, guy to be coaching uh, the Flames with their with their next hire. So, and he certainly had a great year with the the Wranglers this year and and last year when they were uh, when they were playing out of Stockton. So, you know, it's going to be an extensive search that they they have to do. So, you know, that is another thing that that, that needs to get started relatively soon. I wanted to ask you about Mitch Love actually because clearly it's a name that people should be talking about. He plays a coach is a pretty hard-nosed style, very familiar with the younger players who are starting to make that jump to the NHL more regularly now. But he's very young. He's 39 years old. I'm curious. I mean, say he's like a month older than Joe Pavelski. How would that work going on to a team where, you know, some guys are in their early 30s. They're pretty similar in age, and these guys have a lot more NHL experience. What could that transition look like should they go to Mitch Love? Well, that would be an interesting transition, uh, no question about it. And Mitch Love, as I mentioned, uh, has done an excellent job in uh, in his two years of coaching the uh, the Flames American League uh, farm team. Uh, as you mentioned, a very young guy uh, for coach. I don't know if the Flames have ever had a coach that young at the age of uh, 38 being the head coach of the team. As I go back in my head here, the history of the coaches the team has had, um, I don't believe there's anyone that's been uh, that young. Uh, coaching the team but certainly he would have a good hand on the organization having been here in calgary to watch uh, a number of the flame games as i'm sure he did over the past season and of course have a good handle on the players that are playing with the wranglers and they seem to be responding uh, to him uh, very well uh, with his uh, coaching techniques and tactics and the way that he handles uh, the team and uh, as you mentioned the uh, the team definitely needs to get younger i mean they were the second oldest team in the nhl this past year and going forward, they need to become a, a younger team so they can you know, put some of these young guys in the lineup that Daryl, when he was coaching, seemed to be a bit reluctant to give these younger players an opportunity to play uh, for long periods of, of time. So uh, that would be another plus, having uh, uh, Mitch Love come in as coach of the team. Now, whether the I'm sure the organization has a pretty good handle on Mitch's qualities and that sort of thing, so it would be interesting to see... Uh, how active they are with him with regard to that job once they get a GM in place with the Flames and of course once the Wrangler uh, season ends and hopefully it won't end tomorrow night uh, with that uh, big game that they've got down in, uh, in Palm Springs trying to keep their season alive. I want to sort of move on to a slightly different topic. Um, there has been some controversy around around Calgary and around sort of Flames fans about the reported decision by the Flames to not allow Brad Tree Living to interview with other with other teams. Um, I honestly, from my perspective, this is a there are two sides to this situation, and I, and I can see them both. But w- w- what do you think when you hear that? Well, the way I look at it, and I don't have again, I don't have uh, any inside information whether this is uh, correct. Uh, that the Flames are not allowing him to be interviewed by any other team uh, at this point in time since he's still under contract with the Flames and will be until the end of June. But, uh, you know, some reliable sources that are out there are mentioning that the Flames are not giving him permission. Uh, The way I look at it is that uh, the Flames are not breaking any rules by uh, doing that. Um, You would say, well, they should be giving the guy a chance to, to get another job. Well, the thing is with that, you have to look at it deeply in that he's been around this flame organization uh, for nine years and over the past year he's been very actively involved with the team scouts and that sort of thing preparing for the draft that's uh, coming up that we talked about earlier so he's got some pretty good insight on what the flames are thinking about players that are are playing right now that are eligible to be drafted and i'm sure they don't want that information passed along to another team 
should they happen to hire him uh, as a general manager or whatever other position that they, they may have available. Uh, another thing that uh, crossed my mind with regard to why the Flames are not allowing him to interview for uh, another job at this particular uh, point in time while he's under contract is that I'm wondering if they're thinking about not bringing him back and offering the general manager's job to him. Uh, as you will recall, in the news conference they had, I guess it was about a month ago, when John Bean was there along with Don Maloney, they talked about the fact that they were quite surprised that he uh, didn't want to come back as a GM or the coach of the, the team, that they'd offered him contracts and he turned them down, but they were pretty confident, at least in the comments they were making at that time, that they thought that they'd be able to uh, get him signed. So the, you know, the underlying thing here, whether it's factual or not, is that he and Daryl didn't get along all that well or weren't on the same, uh, weren't on the same plane. Uh, but Daryl now is gone. So I'm just wondering if he is not a guy that the Flames right now are considering offering the vacant general manager's job to. Now, uh, very rarely does it happen that a guy resigns from his job uh, with a team in, at a position of general manager and then comes right back again as the next general manager of the team uh, recovering that position. But I wouldn't rule that out. It's just uh, in my own particular opinion and based on the things that uh, evolved uh, at the time that he elected to part company with the, with the Flames. I think that's a really, uh, it, it would be fascinating if it happened. And I think that your first point about, we got to remember this is a competitive business, right? I mean, the Flames, yep. there are competitive reasons why the Flames wouldn't want Brad joining up with another team prior to July 1st. So uh, I'm actually very much on your side there. So that's uh, refreshing to hear because some of the reaction on Twitter has been has been far more negative towards the flame stance, but I couldn't agree with you more. So um, I guess my next one would be, I don't know how closely you are monitoring uh, the situation down in Arizona, um, but they, they, they voted down um, a new arena. Effect. The three propositions. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yes. What in your mind is next? This this feels like, to be honest, I'm 39. It feels like this has been a mess my entire adult life. Um, what, what do you think is next for for this organization and and for potentially the future of hockey in Arizona? I guess. Well, as I understand it, uh, the league has said uh, since making that announcement or their comment on uh, Tempe turning down the arena with a uh, public vote and uh, that went on yesterday. Uh, is that they're going to stay in uh, Arizona for this coming season and again play in the uh, Mullet Arena, which seats, I guess, a little under under 5,000 people for, for NHL games. And uh, the fact that uh, the league has pretty much decided and the team pretty much decided that they'll stay there makes some sense. It's pretty late for scheduling and that sort of thing. It's a long process uh, that would go into place to moving the team. So my guess is that unless they can come up with some alternative situation, uh, to keep the team in Arizona with a bona fide NHL arena in that next season, uh, the NHL and the current owners of the uh, of the Coyotes will be talking with a number of other uh, communities or uh, people that want to have an NHL franchise. And to me, the logical one would be Houston. Uh, they've got an arena there that uh, is fit for hockey. Uh, they also have an owner uh, who has lots of money and is interested in having a team. However, you, you hear the names of Atlanta coming up again. Uh, I, I would seriously not want to put a team in Atlanta. I mean, they've had two teams there. Uh, the Flames were there in the 70s before they came to uh, Calgary, and they didn't draw very well. And then they had the Thrashers there. And they didn't draw very well, and eventually went to Winnipeg. So I'm not uh, thinking Atlanta is a very good uh, location. 
Now we're also hearing Salt Lake City as a potential uh, city for uh, that Phoenix franchise if uh, the movement is going to take place. I know the league will not want to play in that 5,000 seat arena any more than one more year or, or two years if they have a promise of a new arena, which doesn't seem that's going to happen anywhere now by uh, by the sound of things. To go back to the, uh, also Quebec City will be another one I think that we'll be looking to see if they can gain an NHL franchise. I remember a number of years ago, there were people from uh, Quebec City we're talking to Gary Bettman and it became public that Bettman had told him, well, you don't have a new, you don't have an NHL arena. If you have an NHL arena, then you'd be under consideration for getting another NHL team. At that time, they still had the old Coliseum. Well, these people got together and built a brand new arena in Quebec City. I've never been in it, but from what I've been told, it's a beautiful, beautiful arena. Uh, but, uh, and it's been existent now for at least five years. Basically, all they have is the Quebec Yard Ramparts playing out of there and Celine Dion concerts. So, uh, you know, it's a building that's sitting there rather rather vacant, and even though it uh, costs a lot of money to build and is very much an NHL structure, I think that's something to be looked at, whether or not the NHL uh, wants to go to Quebec City or not. To revert back to uh, Arizona and the team being in Phoenix as long as they have, and, uh, you know, they, they to me they played in a beautiful arena in Glendale. Uh, which is the arena they played in up until uh, this year. Although back in the early years, the, the first few years the team was in the league, they played at the arena downtown uh, in uh, in Phoenix. Uh, but that was built for basketball. There was one end of the building where people couldn't sit because it extended out over to the ice and the upper level. And so there was a lot of fear of the pucks went up there, people would get injured. So they stayed there for, I don't know, three or four years. Then they got the new arena built for them in, in Glendale. And uh, then they decided, well, Glendale is not good for us because our fan base is located a long distance from uh, Glendale. Some say it takes about uh, 50 minutes to an hour to drive from Scottsdale, which I guess the bulk of their hockey fans are. And uh, and uh, it's in rush hour traffic to get there on top of that. But my view on, on thing is that a big reason why they haven't drawn good crowds in Phoenix for forever, it seems, is that they've never had a very good team. When you look back in, in, in recent history, they made the playoffs once in 11 years. And uh, that one year that they made the playoffs, they were eliminated in five games in the, in the very first round. So to me, it may be a more a fact that they haven't had quality hockey teams there for a long period of time. And that's why they didn't get the fan support uh, in, in Glendale. But, um, you know, that's another story. Gary Bettman seems very, very eager uh, to want to keep the team in Arizona. And uh, I'm sure he'll try and uh, make some ways to see if he can keep the team there now, although it's not looking very positive in that manner uh, today. But Bettman, I've always wondered why Bettman wanted to keep the team in Phoenix, even though they don't draw uh, very good crowds and, and that sort of thing. But I understand that their television ratings on the, on the uh, NHL network there, like ESPN and TNT, is one of the highest in, in the United States. So that, that may be a lot of Canadians that are down there in the wintertime <laughs> Uh, watching the games on TV that allow those ratings, but they don't go out to go to the game. So uh, it's going to be real interesting to see now what transpires there, but it'll be, you know, uh, all all winter this year, I think, when they'll be doing the negotiation with uh, potential future cities. Can I ask, in all of your years, you've been in, I imagine, every every NHL arena multiple times. Did you ever call an NHL game in an arena as small as 5,000 seats? Is that, that would have been the smallest? Uh, not in the NHL. Uh, the auto, the, I'm just trying to think here for a minute. Uh, the smallest game in the NHL that I ever called was in the uh, in the Corral here in uh, Calgary. 
Okay. And that one had a seating for uh, a capacity for a little better than 7,000. So, um, of course, that's where the Flames played for their first three years in Calgary in the Corral. And uh, that was a very intimidating building for the for the opposing teams. Uh, the crowd was basically right on top of the, the players on the ice. And those boards were higher than the normal boards in the NHL. And when the Flames were here in those first uh, three years, they had a very big, very physical team. And so um, they, they had a huge advantage uh, playing in the corral. And I think the first year uh, that the team was here in the 80-81 season, they lost only four, lost only five regular season games in the, uh, in the corral. So, um, and then uh, went on to have a run in the playoffs where they won the first uh, two rounds before uh, being eliminated. But uh, yeah, it was a great facility to broadcast a hockey game from though as a broadcaster, because you were practically right on top of the play. It was easy to, to pick out the numbers, how, how you identify the, uh, the players. But the only other uh, building in the NHL that would be, in my time, that would be the small was when Tampa uh, Tampa first came in the league. They played in a very small arena, but I believe the seating capacity there was around 9,000. And then they, then they moved from there to the baseball stadium where the Tampa Bay Rays uh, play now. And uh, that was incredible there. I mean, that had, you know, that seating capacity for about 45 to 50,000 seats. And the arena was stuck in the middle of the baseball field. And um, uh, they played there for three or four years before they built the arena that they presently uh, they presently play in. And also when San Jose came in the first year in the league there, uh, the first couple of years there, while they were building their new arena in San Jose, they played in the, um, the old arena in uh, San Francisco, the Cow Palace. And uh, that one had a small seating capacity as well, but I think it was more like 10,000 there. Uh, and uh, it always, they had a lot of, uh, had a lot of uh, horse shows there and other activities, so there was constantly a, a uh, smell in that building that was not hockey <laughs> conducive. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean, but, I got to uh, ask about know, the corral. Another interesting spot. <laughs> you mentioned the high boards in the corral. Jamie McCowan told me once that it was like you could count on a visiting player falling over those boards at least once a game. Can you corroborate that? Did you see anyone eat it, like expecting to hit yeah, the ice sooner? Yeah, that did happen. Yeah, yeah. Usually once a game there'd be somebody, yeah, <laughs> crawling over there. Yeah, no, those big boards, they were they were really high at, uh, and uh, by NHL standards. And uh, I don't know of any other arena that I was in that had boards that high. But uh, And, of course, that, that flame team was so big that first year when they came from Atlanta and the second and third year as well, that they were they were a very uh, team that uh, uh, intimidated teams be- between the way the team played and the way the building was. Uh, it was a huge advantage for the Flames. It's crazy. Like, sorry, I know, uh, Danny, it's a little off topic, but um, I've gone through some of the footage from when the Flames first came here, and a lot of those players who had been in Atlanta actually really didn't want to leave Atlanta even though there wasn't, you know, that much fan support or anything, they really liked the lifestyle down there and they weren't sure of Calgary at first. And it changed pretty quickly, I think. No, you're absolutely right. There were a lot of the players that came here uh, that uh, would have preferred, wanted to prefer, preferably wanted to stay in Atlanta. And I guess they didn't draw crowds very well, but they, um, but they were, but it was, I believe it was the climate that they have in Atlanta, plus the people in Atlanta. They seemed to facilitate very well with them at that particular time. And I don't know, if they had an NBA team at that time or not there. I know they did have a major league baseball team there, but I'm not too sure about uh, the basketball. But anyway, the, the hockey team, you know, and the, they were well taken care of in, in Atlanta from that standpoint. Uh, away from the game, they, they seemed to enjoy themselves, but then these people didn't come to the arena 
the games. I remember uh, I was broadcasting uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs in uh, the 1978-79 season, and in the first round, the Flames and, uh, or excuse me, the Maple Leafs and the Flames, the Atlanta Flames, played in a, in a playoff series, and it was a best two out of three series with the first game was played in Atlanta, and I remember going there, and the building wasn't half full, which was incredible to look around that building and see it, uh, how, how small a crowd it had for an important playoff game. And, of course, the the, uh, the Atlanta Flames lost that game, then they went to Toronto for the next game, and, and the Maple Leafs won that one to eliminate them. And then the next year, uh, they stayed in Atlanta for the 79-80 season, and uh, and didn't have uh, much success that year. And again, the crowds weren't coming, and that's when everything uh, uh, got into play to move them here to Calgary, which certainly were very beneficial for. But yeah, it's, it's, um, but the players, you're right, guys like Willie Platt and Eric Vale and uh, and a few other guys there, Brad Marsh and those guys. They really liked it in uh, in Atlanta, and um, you know they didn't really want to come to Calgary at the time. And some of those guys didn't stay here very long either. Uh, you know, as I recall, Willie Platt got traded a couple of years later, and the same with Eric Vale and, and Brad Marsh. I think stayed here an extra year before he got traded. Bob Murdoch was another guy that was here with them from Atlanta. Got traded, uh, and then the, you know, then Lanny McDonald came here, and the whole the whole situation changed. The Flames started building through the draft, and that got them to the team that uh, ultimately would uh, go to the Stanley Cup final in '86 and again in '89. Um, we have this whole list of things we want to ask you, but just since you brought it up, um, you mentioned the corral being so intimidating for opposing teams. Was there another rank that, that really stands out as being, there was a real home ice advantage, um, in your time? Um, I would say the, the Chicago stadium, uh, was a building that uh, was intimidating for the opposing teams. Uh, it was a, it was a building that was always was always uh, full. They got great great crowds in, in an old building, and the, the way it was built, the noise level in there was much higher than any it seemed any other uh, building in the NHL at that particular point in time. And uh, you know the crowds would be into it. They do a lot of drinking there, and uh, they'd be very uh, very very noisy as the course of the game went along, and uh, and made it really really loud in that building. And, and I think that. Uh, it proved to be a little bit of an intimidation uh, to the opposing teams uh, coming in there. Also, the, the visiting teams also, to get on the ice, had to walk up about 10, sta- 10 steps uh, with their skates on to get onto the ice. No it was uh, a dressing room at that down down in the basement, basically, while the home team didn't have to do that. So those were little things that I think helped aid the Blackhawks when they played in that uh, old building there in Chicago, the stadium. It was also a great building to broadcast games from because of that noise level that I was talking about and also had an excellent uh, broadcast location. The only thing I didn't like about it is that you had to walk up 322 steps uh, <laughs> to get to our broadcast location because there's no elevator or escalators in the building. So um, uh, when they got into the new stadium, I liked it better because they had an elevator there to get us up to where we worked from. That is amazing. Um, one of the things Rob told me, he said, no matter what day it is, ask Peter this day in Calgary Flames history, and you're going to have something to, to tell me. So we're here. It is May 17th. Give me an anecdote from, from Flames <laughs> okay. history here. Well, this, one, this, these, this is an interesting one because it has something to do with all three times that the Flames went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. In, in 1986, uh, on this date, the, um, the uh, Flames had a game in, uh, in St. Louis and won the game 2-1. Uh, 
and uh, and uh, sure, sorry, had a game against St. Louis here in Calgary and won the game two to one, and that was Game Seven of their uh, playoff series against the Chicago Blackhawks, or excuse me, the St. Louis Blues. The Blues had won Game Six in uh, St. Louis. They had come from behind. The Flames were ahead eight five in the uh, eight. <laughs> excuse me, the Flames were ahead uh, by uh, a score of six three in that game with about 10 minutes left to go in the third period. And St. Louis came back to tie the game and then win it in overtime. Wow. And that forced the series to go back to Calgary for a game seven. There was a huge snowstorm that came in just after the Blues arrived with their flight from St. Louis, arrived at the Calgary airport. And this storm started. It snowed for 36 hours, which is hard to believe that it snowed for 36 hours here in Calgary uh, in May the 17th. But that was indeed the fact. And then they played the game, and Colin Patterson scored the uh, winning goal in that uh, two-to-one uh, victory. And uh, and then, of course, that was on the 17th. Then on the 19th, the um, the Stanley Cup Finals started. There was just one day between the end of that series and the start of the Stanley Cup Finals, in which the Flames played against Montreal. And uh, Montreal came into Calgary, played the first game. The Flames won that game, five-two. But then would lose the next four games. And after that, that uh, series was concluded during the offseason. They came up with what they called the Cliff Fletcher rule, and that rule was that the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals would only start at least three days after the end of the uh, Conference Finals or the semifinal series. Now, going back to 1989, which of course was the year the Flames won the uh, Stanley Cup, uh, the uh, the on this uh, May the 17th date, the Flames lost here in the Saddledome 4-2 to Montreal, and. Um, and uh, that was uh, tied the series at 1-1. And then Montreal would win the third game of that series when they went back to Montreal to take a 2-1 series lead. And things started looking a little bit difficult for uh, Flames, but they turned that around and would win the uh, the next three games and uh, win the Stanley Cup on May the uh, 25th. Now, also in uh, 2004, uh, when the Flames uh, went to the uh, Stanley Cup final, on this date, they won 3-0 in San Jose to grab a three games to two lead in that uh, conference final series against the uh, San Jose Sharks. It was the first time in that series that the, uh, uh, that the uh, home team had uh, or the, the, sorry, the Flames won that game three, nothing. Uh, Mika Kiprasov got the shutout. It was his uh, fourth shutout of the playoffs. And he ended up having five shutouts in that. And then a couple of days later, they would come to Calgary. Flames would win three, one. They would be the first home team to win a game in that series. Because uh, it was a road team had won each of the first five games before the uh, Flames uh, came back home to uh, wrap that series up in, in winning game number six. And that was the eighth road win the Flames had in that year in their march for the Stanley Cup. They ended up winning 10 games on the road that year. And that tied an NHL record for most road games won in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's safe to say if they'd won a, a, another home game or so, they might have won the Stanley Cup. They were better on the road than they were at home, believe it or not, during that uh, run in 2004. I have a question for you uh, about the coach of those teams. I've heard that Badger Bob Johnson was uh, very superstitious about where he would do the show with you at the Saddle Dome. Is that true? <laughs> yes, Bob was extremely superstitious, not only about, uh, about everything. And uh, always an upbeat guy, always positive. Uh, I never met a I never met a person that as upbeat as Bob Johnson was, but he was extremely extremely superstitious. So I used to do a coaching show with him that we would re- usually record uh, the morning of the game uh, that the Flames are going to play that night. And so 
if the Flames uh, were winning, had won the game previously, we'd have to go back to the same spot that we were for the uh, the uh, previous coaches show that we uh, did. <laughs> and so um, a couple of ones that stand out for me, uh, well, one was that, um, one was uh, the fact that he, he uh, one winning streak the Flames had, we were doing the coaches show from the Zamboni. He would sit on the Zamboni and I'd stand there beside him with the microphone and ask him the uh, questions and he'd answer them. So the Flames, we did start at that at the Saddledome, so that was okay. So then we were gone the road. We had a game, I believe it was in Detroit, and the, the winning streak had gone to four or five games at that point in time. And Bob insisted that we had to do the coaches show from the Zamboni in the uh, Joe Lewis Arena. <laughs> so we had to go over and Bob steps up. There's nobody around where the Zamboni is located. It's off the ice. And so he gets up and he gets, sits at it. And all of a sudden, just as we're getting to start the interview, one of the attendants there at the arena comes over and asks him what he's doing sitting there. And he said, just let me sit here for five minutes. I want to talk to this guy from here. So <laughs> they granted him permission to do that, not knowing why he wanted to stay there. So another interesting one was um, was uh, uh, after the winning streak was going off, the team was going for its uh, 30th win or 35th win in this particular case in the old building in Buffalo. You had to walk up. 30 uh, 35 rows to sit in the seats on the 36th row 35th row since the flames were going for their, their 35th win and so i remember <laughs> going up there in the old building in, in buffalo with them walking up those steps and then we get there and i sit there i said you know uh, i don't want to miss any wish anything bad on the team but i hope this winning streak doesn't last long and so <laughs> but they did last for another two or three games another interesting one was in vancouver in the old building in, in vancouver um, this one we had to do, we had to do about an hour and a half before the game. And so we have uh, been doing the previous couple had been done in the penalty box. So Bob says, well, we're going to do this one in the penalty box. So, um, I said, okay. So we get out, we walk across the ice from the player's bench where it is across the ice over to the other side to the penalty box. Now the penalty box was locked. The door was locked. So Bob gets up on the, uh, boards and, puts his leg over the glass and steps down inside the penalty box. He climbs in and then he unlocks the door for me to get in. So I'm sitting I'm there and I'm thinking, my gosh, I hopefully nobody sees us do this because they're going to think we're crazy. <laughs> but anyway, we do the show and then we walk across the ice back to the, back to the dressing room area. And so I get up to the broadcast booth a little while after that. And Jim Robson, who was the Vancouver Canucks broadcaster at that time, he says to me, what were you and uh, Johnson doing, climbing over the glass to get into the penalty box? <laughs> I said, you don't want to know. So it's, uh, those were just some of them. Now, the one the one where we had the most success, uh, Flames winning games, where the coaches show has done the most, was in the boiler room at the Saddledome. In fact, I told Daryl Sutter uh, about uh, going into the last two or three weeks of the season that maybe if he does a coaching show, he should do it in the boiler room. He might <laughs> be able to get the wins and get into the playoffs. So I don't know if Daryl took my advice or not. That's <laughs> but yeah, he we'll was an interesting Will's guy. Call Will's for comment on that one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we've only got you for a couple more minutes here. Um, I do have to ask, the Flames are drafting 16th in, in the NHL draft uh, this season. Is that a spot where they've had success in the past? Well, no, unfortunately, it has not been a successful spot for the Flames to draft, uh, be it in Atlanta or in Calgary. Uh, the most recent one was in 2017, 
when the Flames drafted Yusuf Alamaki. And of course, I'm sure you remember of uh, Alamaki and his uh, short term here with the Flames. It seemed that soon after he was uh, drafted, uh, he ended up with a bunch of injuries and uh, he could never really get his game going and ultimately was traded last uh, last fall uh, to um, to Arizona, where he, he had himself a pretty uh, decent season there. And um, but he obviously didn't turn out as well as he uh, would have liked. And then uh, the uh, the other guy in Calgary that the Flames had drafted uh, number 16 overall was in 1986 when they drafted George Palawa from uh, Bemidji uh, High School in Minnesota. He had just been named the um, Minnesota High School Player of the Year. And um, he was drafted by the Flames uh, at the draft that year that was in Montreal. I well remember the time. Uh, afterwards, uh, after the, the draft was held at the Montreal Forum. After that, went back to the Sheraton Hotel where the Flames uh, were, in the, uh, which is typically what they do. They have the players that they draft come into the, um, into the uh, hospitality room there, and they uh, have some food and, and a little bit of drink. And I, I, this is the first time that I got to meet George Palava, other than the interview I did with him on the floor of the Forum. And he was a real interesting guy. Like he had a, he had a, he was 18 years old, but when you talked to him, I think you were talking to someone that was 25. Uh, he, he was very, very mature for his years. And, um, you know, we got to see him a little bit later on. Uh, Gary Suter that year was named the, uh, the rookie of the year in the NHL. So he was there as well. And Gary and I would stand back and have conversations with him. And later on, we would join up with him uh, outside of the forum when we went to uh, an establishment there and, he, he looked old enough he was able to get in there, even though he was only 18 years of age. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, three weeks before training camp that year, he was uh, killed in an automobile accident that uh, he was driving in Minnesota and uh, when he had the accident and died immediately on the scene. That was about three weeks before he was come to his first NHL training camp with the Flames. And talking to people who had seen him play, uh, they felt that in time that he was going to become a very good NHLer. But unfortunately never got the opportunity to uh, see that through uh, with the unfortunate uh, death that he uh, got way, way too young in life. But a very interesting guy. Well, I'm, I'm very and, sorry uh, to hear that. I, lots of confidence I, in his ability. It was just yeah. that short time that we had the opportunity to uh, to be around him. Well, thank you for telling that story. Of course, the Flames drafted one guy, uh, the Flames drafted one guy 16th in the uh, Atlanta days back in 1973 when they took uh, Vic uh, Mercikita who, um, who uh, played high school hockey, and uh, he got to play uh, two games with the Atlanta Flames, didn't get any points. But earlier on in his career, he, he, played, he played three games with the Calgary Cowboys in the Western Hockey League, and uh, he didn't get any points in those games, but he never did uh, get, to, uh, get to play here with the uh, Calgary Flames. He had those, just those two games in Atlanta. So uh, 16 has not been a, a good spot for the team uh, so far when they've drafted, but hopefully that'll change this time around. Fascinating. All right. We've only got you for about one or two more minutes here. I'm just going to ask who are you taking in the conference finals? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well... Uh, I've been I've been running my bracket right through the playoffs so far. In the front first round, I had eight out of five right. In the second round, I had two out of five right. <laughs> so now we're going to the uh, finals with all these teams from uh, Sunshine States playing. The first time ever that four Sunshine States teams are playing uh, into the final four in the National League. And when I look at it, I got to think that um, I got to think that the uh, the series in the uh, in the the East. Uh, Carolina is going to win that. I just think that Rob Brindamore has done such an excellent job of coaching that team, and they listen to him, play the style that he wants to play. Uh, they're playing without three of their top forwards who are out with injuries. One of them may be back, I understand, at uh, some point in this upcoming series. But uh, that they've gone this far, uh, I, I got a feeling that they're going to uh, knock off Florida, even though Matthew Kachuk, the former flame, has done a tremendous job in uh, getting the Panthers uh, where they are right now with some help from a number of his uh, teammates. And then when it comes to the uh, the Dallas series uh, against Vegas, that one is really a tight one. I think that uh, Dallas has a great defense, um, a little bit better defensively than uh, Vegas, but Vegas a little bit better on the offensive side. So when you look at it and you're comparing the goaltenders, Ottinger uh, to me is the better of the uh, two goaltenders for that series. So I'll pick them uh, to uh, win that round in advance to the Stanley Cup final. But there have been so many upsets so far, anything's possible. I, Good for me. I mean, next time, uh, I'm out of time now, but I have a million questions for you about hockey and the Maritimes. I think we can get into some uh, good stuff with those stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Peter, ahead. this was honestly absolutely incredible. Like, I I had this list of things that we got through, maybe a third of them. Um, <laughs> this is honestly an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we've got to get you back next time. This is so much fun for both me and Cammy. I know. <laughs> Well, it's been a fun as well. You folks enjoy the rest of the day, and um, we'll come back another time have some maritime hockey stories. Perfect. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks, Looking Peter. forward to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Wow. That was I could amazing. listen to him talk forever. That was amazing. I know you're still here, Peter, but I could listen <laughs> to you talk forever. <laughs> yeah. um, that was absolutely incredible. Um, what an honor, honestly. Uh, both of us have been covering sports in this town for a long time. Um, I've got to do an ad read. Um but I don't actually have the ad read. I've just been told uh, that with Peter Meyer was brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard and SkiSellerSnowboard.com. Um, that's my first ever ad read. I don't really have much to add. I think I think we nailed it. Um, you have a better view of the door. Is Solomon here? Yeah, he's here. Okay. Uh, yeah. It'd be good if we could get Solomon in here. Not sure. Not sure what he's doing. But. Um, yeah, 
Um, anyways, that was amazing. Um, honestly, Peter, Peter's just got an incredible perspective. He did not wear a suit. Look Actually, he dressed like you. <laughs> that. Um, anyways, we have Solomon Valji. He is getting set up um, from TSN. Hey. Um, Tissen. Tissen, the sports on. network <laughs> in front of the green I wanted screen. to honestly, I was thinking about it, but like I got my suit fixed in yesterday because I was on Jay's show. Uh, and then I was like, you know, I, I wonder how similar Danny and I, our, our outfits are going to be today. And I knew that like Pinder had the beanie and like um, someone else, uh, Dean had the has like the glasses. So I figured I'd try to try blend to in a little bit in my new with environment. A, so. with, a, with the nation network. Yeah. Crew. With yeah. Now let's remember that I declared the Took season was over um, <laughs> in like mid-April. You have so. a lot of declarations though, Dan. I, I can't, I can't keep up with them. You were going to do true. a pink off with Julian. That was a declaration. Okay, so we, we were going to do a pink off because both Julian and I wear <laughs> a fair Julian McKenzie from The Athletic wear a lot of pink. Um, the reason we didn't do it is because the Flames missed the playoffs. So it felt inappropriate to come dressed in full Daryl's um, last press conference. Yeah, Daryl's last press conference. Like that. Yeah. So we canceled that. Um, I'm sorry. It's Calgary's so smoky because your style is so fire. Oh, you do. Holy Cammy. Um, Got the lines going. I knew it was worth the 10 minute drive over here today. You so. want another good line? Welcome to the Oodle Noodle studio for the first time, pal. Yeah, this is great. I was, you know what? Like I was going to, I was like thinking because Northwest and Southwest, like I was crossing my fingers. Sorry, a little bit, but like I knew it was in Marta Loop, but you didn't yeah. specify whether it was Northwest or Southwest. So I was like crossing my fingers that what I read that it was here was. I was just nervous because good luck parking in this. Yes, neighborhood. yes, oh my yes. God, that is well, that is well. That is crazy. Well. I, had to I have go, parked like, right out front every single time I've come here. <laughs> you just get lucky, hey? Like four blocks up that way. I've got to go to Marta Brewing Company after this. Nice. Um, so my car will likely be staying there overnight. I think it should be good. <laughs> Solemn, how are you? What is keeping you busy here uh, in, in mid-May 2023? Mid-May 2023. Um, well, getting immersed in CFL season again. Uh, obviously, the stamps and trying to trying to kind of get back into that. And we have a lot more... Um, of work, I guess, with, with like the franchise changing over cultures a little bit with Bo no, no longer being there and Dickinson having some added responsibilities. So just doing my homework on that front, um, paying attention to what's going on around the world of hockey. And I've done some CHL writing. So that's been fun trying to humanize those young players as they kind of begin their quests for the Memorial Cup. And um, obviously there's a big search right now going on for the next leader of the Flames well, hockey operations. So. It's crazy, right? Like we did this whole, at the start of the show, we were just like, hey, there's a <clears> bunch <throat> of stuff happening. Roughnecks, Wranglers, yeah, yeah. Calvary, all the stuff in Calgary. But like at the same time, I'm sitting here. I know you're, you guys are both probably the same. And it's just, well, there's this bomb that's about to drop. Yeah, the yeah. GM is. Then it's going to be the head coach. As Peter was saying, then we got draft stuff. Then we have mm -hmm. to figure out these seven guys who could be. That's excited. like a third of your roster. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. It's like, it's really, really going to be busy. It's just nothing happens. Like we're in this, like it's the calm before the storm in a lot of ways in terms of the Flames coverage, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And I think by this time next week, we'll, we'll know who that leader is. I think they're winding down their search and um yeah it's gonna be fascinating because you've got a third of your roster not just like bottom six players like as i'm sure you've discussed at length and we have at length like oh, a top line it. center yeah we're gonna get into it here. but yeah. it's and it's it's someone brand new putting their stamp on the organization and it might be someone that's never been a gm like craig conroy and it'll be fascinating to see because we all like i i think tree is the only gm I've ever dealt with on a consistent basis. I imagine it's the same. Like, did you either of you get like the Feaster era? I like 
I sat in the Saddledome press box. Okay. Four feet from Dave Peaster. <laughs> okay, but cool. He was in the like fancy box. With, oh, okay, with okay. Executive. I was okay. a student. That's the closest to allowed in. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. But then Peter just posited, "What if Terliving just decides to come back?" Still in town. I don't think it's a possibility. I feel like <laughs> I after they've denied him permission, I We're can't gonna imagine. We're going to get into that too. We got we to go yep. one step at a time. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you because, okay, so for the record, we play on the same slow pitch team, which I've, I've got a rant that I want to go Neither of us are carrying that team, full disclosure. I'm, like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I've only um, played once, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Either way, we're going to get into slow pitch at some yeah, point. Yeah, I have yeah. something to say about people who take walks. Um, <laughs> the money ball, really money ball hits Calgary media slow pitch. Yes, yeah, I'm the sorry. Headline if, there. Uh, this is the only thing I'm going to say about slow pitch, and then we're going to move on and never bring it up again. <laughs> if you are playing recreational slow pitch, mm-hmm. and you are an adult, <laughs> and you take a walk, mm-hmm. I'm trying not to swear, but like, you're a dork. You're a friggin' nerdlinger. Like, like, don't take walks. You are not paying fifty to sixty dollars to show that you have a good eye. You are paying the money to swing the bat. The team that we played on Monday took probably grown men. Grown men took like seven or eight walks in the game, and it was like, cool, you guys, you're beating us, but like, you're losers. And I just want to like go on record. It is recreational slow pitch, swing. The friggin' bat. I'm done with these guys. Um, that's all I'm going to say. We will move on. There's the one hardo on every team. I think there were a bunch of them. It wasn't one on this fast team. Sunglasses. When my four-year-old nephew shows patience at the plate, I'm like, clap. Good for you. You are an adult. Swing. Well, you would hate playing with me then because my strategy has always, when I was younger, I had to play on guys' teams. Yeah, no, yeah. No girls team in uh, a town of like what three thousand people yeah no the strategy lean in get hit take your base yeah take i mean do what you gotta do hey no, i mean i don't no. think at this the level it's quite the, the it's quite nerds. the same well okay well swing. i can swing the bat now danny and i can bet i'm better than you <laughs> probably and i'm We're probably gonna need subs on monday so yes. <laughs> it's your first opportunity i'll Cammy. be in metropolitan scottsdale oh i'll be sure to ask a. Yodi's fans, what they think about uh, what's what down there. I'll report back. I am, as technically the host, I am going to try to bring us back in every once in okay. a while when we inevitably just... It's worth <laughs> noting, like, we hike together, we drink together. Like, we're, we're, we're friends. We're buds. I'm going to try to keep it on, on sports <laughs> topics because we could talk about what you're doing in Arizona, and it sounds like a lot of fun, um, but not just yet. I'm going to black out a tooth. <laughs> Tell um, us about the Wranglers. Right now. I gotta, no, I've got to go Flames GM stuff. I would still put my money on Craig Conroy as as the GM with Jerome McGinley for one year in a sort of advisory role and then coming on more full-time when he finishes in the Okanagan. Do you think I'm wrong? I think, okay, so they had a pretty long initial list of close to 40 people. Uh, they, they talked to a lot of human beings, and I don't think that was just to show Murray Edwards sort of a fake search. Like, I think they were really invested in getting different opinions, which is extremely important when you when winning a playoff series is a once-a-decade event for you, right? And it has been here for a long time. I'm less convinced now than before that it's going to be Conroy, but I still think he's the favorite. I just, I look at the number of outside voices that they've talked to and the desperate need to, to rejig how you do things. And it's not just trades or contracts, but it's the approach to advanced stats. It's the relationship between front office and, and coaching staff, which you, you, you got to think cannot get lower than it was this past season. 
so I think they're I think they're desperate for some outside opinions and they've gotten an awful lot of them. I still think Conroy's the front runner, but I'm less convinced that he's going to get the job now than I was, say, a week ago. So um, When you say outside voices, do you just simply mean like outside of CSEC? Or are they also branching out to someone who may not have been a GM in hockey before? I think they've done that a lot. There have been several, I think, people that have not been GMs before that they've consulted with or at least talked to. I know that they've talked to at least one player agent as well. So... I think what happened in Montreal with Kent Hughes becoming the GM and then radically changing the organization from top to bottom, whether it was uh, incorporating advanced stats or, or building out their skills development program or the way that they structure contracts or even the way that they trade for someone like Kirby Doc, like that opened a lot of eyes around the National Hockey League. If I'm not mistaken, Kent Hughes was the first uh, former agent to become a general manager in quite some time in the National Hockey League. And I think that's that's opened eyes, including here in Calgary. So that's a route that I'm really intrigued if they go down the road in and and figure out, hey, we've, we've got to change how we do things over here. I'm sure we'll get into competitive windows and stuff later on, but how you maximize this team. Um, I think Conroy would be such a great fit because not only is he a really accomplished hockey person, like I think you need someone that loves the city of Calgary and bleeds it and knows what we all know in this room, which is that it's a pretty awesome place because you've like Danny, you asked John Bean at the press conference. Um, why is it that so many people are leaving and is it something that worries you? And that is a reality here, right? Like there is a perception issue here a hundred percent. And not only is Conroy paying his dues and, and, and a really smart hockey mind, but he also loves Calgary and that cannot be understated in all of this own thing. So, well, tree was definitely a guy who loved the city, went to bat for the city, especially yeah. when people were questioning whether this is a place where players would have played. He's like, you cannot step on my city like that. He mm-hmm. didn't pull any punches. So, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, like even with daddy, I know you think it's okay. And just oh, fine yeah. that the flames well, are saying Brad can't go. talk to anyone. No, not that first. But <laughs> okay, like just seeing even seeing here. the dysfunction at that press conference because it yeah. didn't seem like everyone from CSEC was completely on the same page. Yeah. With all those uh, candidates who've been spoken to, is Calgary a desirable place to hold this role? I think if you if you look at the history over here. And no disrespect to any of these people, but, and we've talked about it, Glenn Gullitson, Bob Hartley, Bill Peters, um, Jeff Ward, uh, I might be missing some else, but there are coaches here that tend not to get jobs after they're done in Calgary. Um, Jay Feaster did not get another management hockey ops job after he uh, left the organization. And I think... Like, ideally, you want someone that has options, right? You want someone that, hey, you know what? I had a choice between like Carolina and Calgary. And I chose Calgary for these reasons. Like you want someone that's in demand around the league. And right now I'm not convinced that if someone has multiple options, they would choose Calgary. And it's got nothing to do with the rink or the roster or, or the pressure or anything like that. I think it's got more to do with how do you manage ownership over here? Because Danny and Cammy, like you heard in that press conference, there were a lot of interesting tidbits that came out that show um, just how sort of how tricky it can be to manage this ownership group, whether it was John being being a little bit combative with some of the responses or we don't believe in a rebuild or um, 
Brad deciding even himself that this wasn't a situation he wanted to continue, that opens eyes around the league and and the news yesterday that was confirmed that that they are playing hardball with Tree on his ability to move on and, and pursue other employment. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we can get into that, but I don't think this is as desirable a place right now as they want it to be. And those are just a few of the reasons. And I think they've got to work on the public relations element of, you know, refining your message and delivering it with some sort of, um, smiles or genuineness because there is a perception issue here right now for sure you're just, bracing for this right now I, but oh, if you're sure. watching the youtube play. stream if you can see danny revving his goddamn <laughs> engine over there flexing this is how i like to imagine there's he like prepares. a there's a the biggest volcano the rant. biggest volcano in alberta I'm right sorry. now is actually a couple of feet yeah, this is no. danny getting ready to go on like a <laughs> this suggestion Doing like the, the aaron judge side eyes. should yeah. be nice to brad tree living Dude, you turned down the contract extension. You are still under contract. This is a competitive business about wins and losses. Brad Tree Living should not be allowed. There's zero chance I would be allowing him to speak to everyone. What advantage does that give to you? People on Twitter say you're nice? People on Twitter, like, like who people around the league are like, well, it's a good thing that they put themselves at a competitive disadvantage by being nice to Brad Tree Living. This is a cutthroat industry. (laughs) Brad, like... I'm sorry, I lo- I have all the respect in the world for Brad mm-hmm. Tree Living, but the Calgary Flames need to, un- until after the draft, it was what Peter Marr was saying. Like, literally, Brad probably knows a lot about what they're thinking in terms of the draft. You can't let him go to another team. That puts you at a competitive disadvantage. This is, again, I'm just going to keep talking about my four-year-old nephew. With him, <laughs> it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. This is professional hockey. I cannot fathom why it matters that they are being quote unquote mean to Brad tree living. They need to put themselves in the best possible position to win and having Brad go and interview and have that information about their strategy over the next couple of months puts them at a disadvantage and there's no way they should do it. That's fair. My counterpoint is okay. So, and I agree it's, it's cutthroat. This is professional sports. There's a reason why these athletes and executives are making a lot more money than we are. Um, my counterpoint is this. We talk about the perception issues in Calgary. Kachuk, Goudreau elected to move on. Um, Trilliving did as well. I, th- I think there was rumblings that there were other players, obviously, at the press conference. We saw Backlund and Lindholm. Like, you have a perception issue over here. And it's rare that they've brought in the the best candidates for these jobs. Like, Trilliving, I think, turned out way better than anyone would have thought in in his ability to do the job, manage up, everything like that. So I think you're trading. Okay, so you're being mean to Brad. Sure, or you know what? You're just honoring the the, what's on the paper. You're not even being mean. You're honoring what's on the paper. But I think by doing that, you're trading, like honoring that for further perceptions that you don't treat people well, you don't reward. um, No, but it's the assumption that not allowing him to speak with these other teams and interview and, and accept jobs is not treating him well. That's what I reject. I think that they're treating like they're literally treating him as a professional who signed a contract and he's still under contract. What does that when do? I, okay, if- when I sign a non-compete clause and then go try to work for someone other than post media after I quit, mm-hmm. they're not being bad to me by holding me to the non-compete clause. Like that's not like the perception of that. Like I, I signed that. I mm-hmm. agreed to that. Like there's, I just don't, I don't think the flames are doing a single thing wrong. Again, all of this is alleged, although I believe the reporters, but like, yeah, yeah. That, like, the perception to me, if they allowed him to do it, is that they're an organization that doesn't take winning seriously enough. Oh, I don't think that. I think the perception is, you know what? We had this guy for close to a decade. He did probably above and beyond what what 
we thought like people notice when you don't treat people classily on the way out right and if you're if you're let's say okay like there are signing, few... like offering him a contract to extend which he declined <laughs> i mean like he, he's the one on the way out they didn't push him out i he, think they kind of did walk, if they according to don maloney said that he wanted to walk because he needed a break from being a general manager and now he's saying oh i want to go be a general manager with another team i and think the flames are in the and line. i know i know a fan highlighted that that quote i just i think brad like I imagine he wants to get back into it as quickly as possible. I don't think he had his eyes on a break quite like maybe Kyle Dubas said he did the other day. But what? Okay, what does that tell? Say Eric Tulski, you've got opportunities here, there, everywhere. You want you want good people to come to to your organization, and there are already strong perceptions about how they treat staff and things like that. And this is how you this is how you go about with the exit of of probably the best general manager in your franchise's history, a guy that steered you through some awful tough times you know had to manage up in a lot of different ways was a, by all accounts a marvelous boss behind the scenes like i get that it's on paper and this is not about being mean or nice it's a bad business decision because with this going out there and pierre lebrun reporting it and other people talking about it those prospective candidates some of whom might have opportunities elsewhere might say you know what this doesn't look like a situation we already kind of know the owner has a good say in hockey ops if you're prospective general manager is worried about what's going to happen when they leave sure. <laughs> then it's the wrong prospective general manager it's not the guy you should be hiring cammy you're a tiebreaker on this <laughs> well, no, funny. i literally told cammy i was like we're not going to fight about it and here we are. we've had disagreements before. 100%. we'll definitely be having beers later yeah so, absolutely okay. so, we really I'll, I'll be the third about... wheel on your date after all this so uh, Bro, carry, carry on. We're going to change the subject. <laughs> kind of, kind of. But if you really want to talk about an acrimonious split, I'm mm. uh, quoting the athletic article here uh, just to try to get all some of the details back in my head. Mr. John Chaka leaving the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, right. Sus remember, he was suspended through the end of 2021 for conduct detrimental to the league. Yeah. That was related to his conversations with another organization and his desire to pursue a potential job elsewhere. Interesting. I kind of forgot about that. I mean, it doesn't change my opinion. Yeah, but you know, it, like 18 months after it happened, he did come out and uh, he had nice things to say about the organization and the players, but the organization, like they, they hmm. let it all hang out in their statement. They said they were disappointed mm -hmm. and uh, it was a messy, messy situation as most things with Arizona are. But I guess that's kind of the, the foil to Danny's point that when you're under contract, you can't be doing it. Can I see the argument for the flame saying like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not whatever. It's, it's a month. Go. Don't tell them any of the good stuff. I could see that happen. I can see and there, both are, there sides are clauses happening, in but. that regard that prevent the competitive angle from getting, getting leaked out. It's just, and I, I get that it's, it's common in business and everything, but, but if you're, if you're around the league and you're looking at this unfold in this manner, it, it just, it looks bad on your organization that already has, some image maintenance it's got to do at the moment. So it's been like, this is kind of a weird thing I was thinking about on the drive here, but the players respected and liked Brad a lot. And if you're, if you're one of them and you see a guy that is kind of not, not able to move on, like, I, I don't know how that would, if players would think about that, but like, like you talked about, like they have to, they're, they're going to have a new boss to report to a couple of new bosses. And, yeah, and if it's Craig Conroy, you think they're going to be that worried about whether Brad probably not. Had, no, I had to wait a month and a half before interviewing. 
I guess it's just the perception that continues that this organization... And we don't necessarily share that perception, which is mm-hmm. part of it. Sure. Um, which is part of it. And like, mm-hmm. again, I, I, I see your point. Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, you know... Like, go ahead. If I, you know, if I lived in a world where the Easter Bunny was real and everything was <laughs> sunshine and roses, I would want Brad Tree living to get exactly what he wanted as well. Um, and I I, like, by the way, I don't have like any stake in... Like I ate at Boston Pizza yesterday, but I don't have any stake in the empire. <laughs> did I you wish eat I did. Yesterday, what did he get? I was with my cousins. They got dessert. I got like the chicken wings. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, it was it was good. It was great food. The the PTM service 17th? was solid. Where? Is there one on Seventeenth? Is, is it's still there? Isn't we we it? went to we went games. to North Hill, but uh, it was good. I hadn't seen my cousins in a little bit. They're accomplishing a lot more in their early twenties than I did, so it's a little bit. I was a little bit jealous, but they're, also, the boys are doing how well. How sick so. would it be if we just revealed right now that actually you'd been bought off by Brad Tree Living and Boston Pizza? And then <laughs> That'd be pretty nuts, pushing, hey? Pushing that, for that, <laughs> that is why I've been tweeting this whole time. Uh, <laughs> I just I think from even a business standpoint, it's it's a calculation that the Flames aren't going to win. Like like just. Let, let like treat your people well and you'll attract more high quality people type of thing. Yeah. Until they're not your people because they declined to extend <laughs> their contract with you. So they're not your people anymore. So you owe them nothing. Um, anyways, Cammy, any other questions? Oh, I'm still like deep in revisiting all this John Chaka stuff. Yeah. like That was ugly. Really ugly. And, and, and to their credit, the flames have not let, like this get to that point or even close to it, even though there clearly seems to be sort of a... I think that would just... I think that Arizona situation serves to show you what the worst case scenario could be. Arizona and worst case? What are you talking... Like, that's such a foreign foreign concept to us. Um, (laughs) Okay, let's move on. If Elias Lindholm, the new GM, gets in, Elias Lindholm... Day one is like, nah, man, I'm not going to resign. At what point are you, like, what's your drop dead, got to trade Elias Lindholm date? Is it the draft? Is it start a training camp? Is it trade deadline? When do you think you have to get that that trade done? And do you think, I guess I'm making the assumption that you think that you have to trade him, but what's what, what's your move there? Uh, okay, most important player at the moment, number one center on most teams. I I think... I think he, I would go till the deadline, honestly. I know you might be able to get a little bit more for him uh, in training camp or at the draft. I just, I think this window that they have right now where you've got a number one center at less than $5 million, you've got a pretty good defense core where no one's making an exorbitant amount. Um, you, you have a lot of pieces, like a top, like a 73-point player to fully at, what, $4.25 million? Like, you have a lot of these pieces under market value, thanks a little bit to the previous regime. I... I think you try to maximize that, and if things go off the rails like they did this season, or they're they're just they they don't take off, then you you look at the trade deadline. I would go into next season with with this roster kind of intact, and you assume that you might round out your bomb six. But uh, I would I would wait until the the trade deadline, honestly, and then and then I mean it's it's a tough situation because if you're in first and you know that Lindholm's gonna pull a Gaudreau and and walk, you're not getting anything for him, and then the questions continue about like Noah Hanf, and I think you would have be to get something for him. I I think you, you have to. You you do, but I. I mean, just hope he doesn't go like full John Tavares and like rent out a hotel and just take meetings. <laughs> <laughs> just the the race for Elias Lindholm. 
But like I like this window, okay, what and, and you could get a boatload in terms of assets and stuff, but this window that you have right now where you've signed uh players for that for that specific opportunity, I just I, I wonder if you trade Lindholm in the offseason, you're you're not getting a number one center back. It's probably a futures a futures package. It should to, better be a futures package. Yeah. Yeah. So but even then, how do you like fully commit to a rebuild when you have so yeah. many expensive contracts on the books? It's almost like you need to it's kind of like the San Jose Sharks, the, their situation a couple of years ago where it's like we got one more year in this window. Mm-hmm. Like you got to try. You got to go for it. I think and I'm look, leaning towards that. I see the Golden Knights in the Western Conference final missing the playoffs last year. Like, mm-hmm. This is not, it's not out of the question. It's not impossible. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to claim that. I just think that like, if you lost Valimaki, a first round pick for sure for nothing. If you lost, you lose Goudreau and Len home for nothing. Like, what are we doing here? There's, there's asset management and then there's asset management. And that's, that's where bad. maybe, okay. So if, if, okay, Hanfin and Lindholm are your, are your two big priorities, right? Like, like I, I imagine Backlund's up there, but Hanfin oh, I and think Lindholm. Hanfin's trade bait. I think he could get you a fair bit. Like I, I would almost prioritize one of them as regardless of where we are. I, w- I was basically say Hanfin, regardless of where we so, are. Toffoli's on that list too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like, like those two probably get you the most because they're the youngest. They're they're fairly cost controlled given what they are. Hanfin has like a top three defenseman in this league right now. I would basically maybe top four. Okay. But <laughs> um, I would I would keep Lindholm and I would I would use Hanfin as the chip that gets you that futures package that isn't as big as Lindholm but replenishes the cupboard a little bit. Lindholm so has to be willing to. Day, right like that's when you say keep him like that's cool but he just kept telling us he has one more year i know i know he, he did not he did not sound enthusiastic and now things have changed around the around the saddle dome right like yeah. it's entirely possible that i i have no idea i'm not trying to imply that i do i almost like, like i think and this is gonna like like this probably doesn't make me sound very credible but i just i think you you forget the fact that he's in like he could walk and you just say we've got a number one center one of the top 10 centers potentially in the league talk top 15 at less than five million we go into this season with that and if we lose him it, it sucks it but we got we he's the product of a good trade hockey trade that we made and if having him and losing him means that we get to say the second round of the playoffs or or go even beyond that then it's more than worth it like he's almost your own trade deadline acquisition at that point like i know i know that there's asset management and frankly the previous regime did not do a great job of that by the end of their tenure but you also have a very good player at a very good number and like okay you trade away lindholm does that mean that all of a sudden you're dealing Hubriel and Kadri and you're really doing the word that john bean hates like like it, it doesn't mean like you're kickstarting the but rebuild you can't. you can't like you're you it's impossible yeah so they are between sort of a weird rock and a hard place where you can't quite rebuild but you've got assets that could move on pretty quick here for very little so what's up buddy we have a celebrity um, appearance here. I'm stealing my bike helmet for us. <laughs> Safety yeah, never takes here. a holiday, folks. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, a rock at a hard place, but then like there's literally the giant boulder that is allowing two of your three first liners from last season to walk away and getting nothing in return. I mean, that's like, like that's brutal for this organization to have lost. If they lose Goudreau and Lindholm for nothing, you just can't allow it to happen. I mean, you have to read the tea leaves and and, and make that call based on what what is realistic. And if, if you think you're going for a cup, sure. I think it. that they think they're going for the cup. And I just like, how many, how many number, how many teams have had a number one center locked up at less than 5 million? Like I, that, like 
maybe I'm fixating too much on that. I think you got a lot of guys who are primed for a bounce back as well. Shillington Mm -hmm. will be back in the mix, which will take some of the load off of Tanev, who really Mm -hmm. had some injury problems this season. Yeah. And I think... I think it's dangerous. Like, I know that sometimes you have to say, like, okay, we need to look at historically what have we not done well, but it's also dangerous to just make a decision when you're trying to lump it all in together into one steaming pile of crap. Yeah. Like, sometimes you need to look at this issue right now in a bubble. Yeah. Are you, are you talking about the Lindholm issue or Lindholm, like the, the I look, seven? Look at Lindholm in a bubble. Mm hmm. I look at a guy who can get me assets back who says he who didn't say he wouldn't resign, but we kind of know resign. where he was leaning at that for point. For me, like right? I and like for me it's just a no brainer. You just you, you deal for the assets and it, yeah, you've got Hubert O'Cadre, you've got some big contracts there. And that's gonna be tough to move on from. But like realistically, I'd rather have something than nothing. And at the end of the next season with Lindholm, you're gonna have nothing if you keep him. And I'd rather have young assets. That's just that's and I I don't really see like, like so okay I, if they if I understand they, the counter argument I just being, think you take the risk of like okay hold out till the trade deadline fair enough hold out till Christmas they didn't get to Foley right away yeah so that, like was, right that was Valentine's Day yeah <laughs> I'll hear that I just won't hear not trading him and and Peter's argument was he was like the issue is you get you get lost within the season and say all right well we're in second place in the Pacific right now so you hold on to him because you can't sell the yeah fans exactly and, and then, the deadline and he's like that's why you do it in the off season when you can just sort of take a sober look at where you stand, what the future of the franchise looks like, and, and make that call. That is where I stand. I also understand, like, I, I do understand the perspective of just go for it. I just don't think that really. Well, in, like, and we, like, I feel like the phrase last dance gets thrown around so much, but, but okay, you've got a third of, of like... Last dance, the Bulls had won five championships at the time. <laughs> what is this the last dance of? Like, it's the second last dance since I got to Calgary in November 2020 because the first <laughs> one was, like, Gaudreau. Um... But okay, it, it okay, and it might be. I just I don't see a path to them rebuilding easily if they deal Lindholm, like I said. And if you okay, so if you deal Lindholm, do you do you still expect to make the playoffs the next season, or like it does seem like playoff or bust, which kind of is is in is in line with this ownership group. So what's the expectation on the ice if they deal Lindholm for for young pieces? I mean, you don't have a first. Well, Cadre is your first line center at that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can realistically say you're a cup contender. No. Uh, I think if you try to get, look, you're bringing in Peltier, Dewar's playing next year. Um, is there another forward who's super ready? I don't think Zeri's I imagine there. Coronado probably plays. Mm-hmm. So those are three young guys. And plus, you're probably trying to get at least one NHL ready guy under the age of 24 mm-hmm. in a deal for Lindholm. So, um, and then a couple sort of draft assets or, or prospects. But that's probably where you are. I mean, you got. What Cole Schwint played a little bit for Florida last yeah. season. You've got you've got young guys who can come up. This Wrangler team has been exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think if Jacob Markstrom goes back to the form that he's in, that he was in a year ago, I don't think it's out of the question that you could make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, We're talking two seasons from now, not next season, right? Two seasons. Well, I mean, or okay, whenever with they deal Lindholm, resign yeah. Lindholm yeah. is a different question from whether you should trade him because yeah, that's for sure. not within your control, as far as mm-hmm. I can tell. Um, if you lose him for nothing, no. I don't like um I think the comparison to Backland is relevant because like you you basically you you got Lindholm like like it's not like you dealt a ton for Lindholm like you got a few really good years out of the guy so sure it's it's losing an asset for nothing and young picks and prospects that you could have recouped but this isn't 
you know, like if you lose Backlund, let's say the, the outcry is a lot less, right? Like you had him for a long time. He's one of the most celebrated players in this history. He's done an awful lot off the ice. I mean, maybe, maybe they're not quite the same comparison, but you got a lot of Lindholm for the time that you had him, right? And maybe, maybe it is, I'm, I'm willing to let this go to the end of the season next season. I'm trying season. to think of another organization in the NHL where if we were looking at it from outsider's perspective, yeah. we would be like, oh, yeah, it's cool that they lost their first-line center for nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. They went for it. They, they gambled. <laughs> they went for it. They lost him. Oh, they also lost Johnny Gaudreau for nothing. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> two, two exceptional talents in, like, a yeah, three-year stretch. we wouldn't be like, that's okay. Like, <laughs> Imagine Toronto. Like, like, and that's... Oh, my God. Toronto <laughs> made the second round of their, like, everyone's saying, tear it down. Um, <laughs> anyways... It is, it is an interesting Yeah, um, I think they're just turning into the Canucks because we don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, at least until we figure out who's going to be leading this whole thing. So Except I'm low-key obsessed with Elias Patterson. I didn't Which re- one? Hey, I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I did not realize he was as good as he is. Um, Where you been? I, look, I knew he was good. I just didn't realize he was that <laughs> good. Um, and I just, I don't know, I watched him a bunch late in the season because the Canucks weirdly weren't as bad as... Like their record set. They were decent. Hey, yeah. under Rick Tockett, they had a yeah. good structure. And I just, and I were... He blew my mind. I, I, mm-hmm. just, I thought he was really good. Abbotsford started to now get I everything together. Good. Oh, yeah. They were fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. Oh, hey. yeah. Um, do we have anything else Flames related? I mean, hey, you're the host. I'm just uh, just here to to hang out. What, uh, where are we talking? We got through the number one center. Oh, yeah. Where are the other questions around this franchise? Because <laughs> there's no questions around this franchise. I guess the coach. No, but... I mean, I think ultimately, like, I mean, I, I think this is what we were. I was sort of saying earlier where mm-hmm. the issue with this flame team is there's a million things to talk about and none of them actually matter until they get the GM hired. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we are in this sort of holding pattern a For little sure, bit yeah. with the Flames where... Um, and again, I, I will say that personally, just because I like seeing people rewarded for years of service and hard work. For sure. Um, I, I would be very happy to see Craig Conroy Definitely. get the job and, like... Um, you know, the, the player thing is interesting, but I, I sometimes think like there's not someone with a magic wand out there who's going to come in and reinvent the wheel in terms of how the Calgary Flames are, are, are run. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think there's marginal differences between guys, but I, for me, it's like just Conroy, smart hockey mind for sure in the organization, super popular in the community, knows sort of the direction the team's been going, like they have some tweaks. For me, he's just a perfect hire, especially when you add like, we all, I mean, again, Lowe wouldn't have said what he did publicly if he wasn't interested. For right? sure, yeah. And yeah. I, to be perfectly honest, I don't think he would have said what he said publicly if the Flames weren't interested in him back. I yeah, think that yeah, that yeah. like came from, you can read between the lines there a little bit. And For sure. I'd, I'd like those two. Uh, I'd like Jerome to be back part of the Calgary hockey community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I, I think Conroy's done the work. So that is what I am like personally as a non-fan. That's what I would like to see happen while also acknowledging that like, like as you said, they've talked to about 40 people. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know that any of them are good or bad candidates, truthfully. <laughs> you know, I just like Conroy as a candidate, and I always have, and I want to see. I do as well, and, but I think it's it's good that Don Maloney is really being thorough here um, and, and getting as much outside feedback as he could about what's gone on here recently. I kind of wonder, I don't know if Maloney said that he would stick around as president of Hockey Ops when this is all said and done, but... It seems like he's done a good job even of managing up and and sort of he was the guy that that did that whole review that led to Sutter getting fired and he was the one that sold um 
ownership on that. And I can't imagine it's easy to do that. It seems like Maloney's done a, a good job in this new role early on. And I wonder if he remains in that capacity of what the GM, whether it's Conroy or someone else has the hockey autonomy, but I agree. I like Craig is just such a great person to deal with as well. Like he, he exudes positivity and the guys traveled the world for this organization and and he's played a big role in some important important moments. Whether you know it was Gaudreau having the option to sign with any NHL team um, out of his the first time he had the option to sign with any NHL team back uh, at when he was in, at BU and uh, it was apparently Conroy that was the point person on that. And he's played a big role in some other um, prospects negotiations similar to that. So I hope he gets it. Like I I think he's a He's someone that exudes Calgary, you know, and they need that. And they, plus the hockey stuff, you can't argue with that. Do you think that in his interview process, he asks, hey guys, what happens in seven (laughs) years when I'm let go? Am I going to be allowed to interview with other teams before my contract? When I resign in, after the Huberto deal ends, when I resign, (laughs) will you, will you let me out of my deal six weeks? I think that's a very important point. (laughs) And if it's a no what other options are there in other NHL markets that I can pursue? So I'm glad I got this enormous water. That's eh? like a tourist water bottle. So That's like one of those things I, you get in like I'm out hiking. And I'm dying. Do you want some? Yeah. Uh, I went no, to get teamwork. Uh, no, I'm sick. I'm not sick. <laughs> um, all right. Now too many keyboards around. Too many keyboards around. I went to grab yeah. a little bottle of. We're just going to talk water brands here for a okay, second. Okay. Okay. Um, so I have some list. thoughts. I have some thoughts about water <laughs> brands. So I went to buy an Evian. <laughs> um, and it was like half the size and it was 489 and wow. I, and this was 249 and I can't taste the difference. So pure life guys. Do you remember the movie superstar? I don't. It was like an SNL movie. Oh, yeah, Molly yeah, yeah, Shannon. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite insults. Yeah. Superstar. <laughs> one of my favorite insults of all time. Like the bitch in that show. Her name's Evian. <laughs> and it's at one point, like Mary Catherine Gallagher is straight up like, at least my parents named me after a bottle of water. <laughs> That's pretty mild compared to the insults I've gotten for my name, so I respect that. Well, okay, this is also Don't from, insult like, Solemn's name, guys. God, smooth. Um, I have one more question about Connie. Get out. Do it. I'm done. <laughs> well, no, I was just water. curious, like, as we know him as a really gregarious guy, what's your read on his uh, relationships? Because Mitch Love is a name we've been hearing a lot. What's your read on his relationship with Mitch Love and players on the Wranglers? I, I honestly wouldn't know that. I Because Brad Pascal, that's his that's his baby, right? Yeah. So he's been running that team for a while. I think I think Conroy's been the point person for for certain guys that had challenges with the coach. They would, instead of going to tree, they would they would talk to Craig. So I think that speaks volumes about his relationship with players and how he, they, they viewed him as a little bit of a confidant in that regard. And that's important, especially um, given, given players that could walk. And I, that's a, that's a skill. Like I, I think Conroy's because he was coached by Daryl and, and has such a strong kind of um, network within the organization. I think he was leaned on by certain people in that regard to be sort of a buffer in that, in that area. So I think that's really a strong suit for him, but I assume Brad Pascal's got those Wranglers because he's just around there so often. And he's the one that assembled that team that he would be the person we haven't talked about Pascal. Yeah, I know. I want to say like, uh, I'm glad you brought, you said his name because like we can't sleep on him. No, no. Like he's done a good job running that team. And, and even the decision to bring in Mitch love, like they, the flames have done a good, even with like Ryan Huska a couple of years ago, they've, they've found talent away from the ice too. Right. I don't think like Brad Trilliving was a household name when he got this job and he turned out pretty good. And, 
even Huska and Love have done have done similar. So they've done they've done a good job of finding talent and and um, putting that talent in positions where they can succeed. So so Brad's def, like Pascal is definitely a name that we haven't maybe spoken about enough, but is is a strong candidate too. So you've been watching the Wranglers a little bit, a little bit. I was at uh, I think I've gone to two or three playoff games. If there's uh, this this past postseason run, so yeah, they've been doing well. Yeah. Has anyone stood out? For either of you guys, I know we've all been at a couple games. Um, this is has there been a player who, like, I'll be honest with you, I did not go to Wranglers regular season games. I am not. Mm-hmm. I've said I went to quite a few. Uh, Adam Klapka has stepped up in playoffs in a way that I didn't mm-hmm. expect it. I think Dryden Hunt has worked mm-hmm. really well for them in playoffs. He's had some big goals. Um, Jacob Peltier, I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. he's just doing Jacob Peltier things. But on the other side of the ice, look out for Canmore product <laughs> on Coachella Valley. Peltier's former fellow assistant captain and line mate on the Moncton Wildcats, Mr. Jeremy McKenna. Oh, yeah. Is he having a strong series? Yeah, undrafted. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, he's been, uh, he's done some time in the ECHL and he's having a really good playoffs for, yeah, for the Firebirds. That's awesome. I've I've liked, I mean, it's cliche, but Matthew Phillips has had a really good playoff and I, the games I've seen and I, I guess I didn't realize how involved he was in scrums and how fearless he is for such a small man like stature wise like he makes up for it like with his fearlessness and his willingness to attack the net super physical yeah 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 something i didn't realize about this game no that was something i learned um yeah they've they've had they've had a good run like wolf had a tough night the one game i was there last week where he ended up yeah yeah he ended up getting Mm -hmm. pulled but the team's d zone coverage wasn't that great during that either so i'd be intrigued i was thinking the other day like with lucic like likely not coming back by all accounts like I wonder if they do want that size on that fourth line. Like, Klapka's a very big man, and I don't think you need a ton of offensive skill in that role, right? Like, your role is to forecheck and and be a physical presence. Like, I wonder if Klapka can, if he continues to develop, get a little bit of an outside look at the fourth line for the Flames, but who knows, so... It's interesting, like, when we ask Mitch Love about, or when he was asked by Wes Gilbertson, my mm-hmm. colleague, about him, like, it does sound like they, they still feel like he's got a lot of work to yeah, do in yeah. terms of his development, but there's no question. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been productive. He's and, been fined. Um, you know. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Either way, I, I mean, there's Mitch again, McLean, who is just, he has the potential to be an absolute lunatic if you need him to. <laughs> he's very fun to watch. Um, he's like, what is this man going to do? He has good fits, too. I see on the Wranglers Instagram, they... <laughs> They do a good job highlighting the the most important thing, which is what the players wear to the rink. So. That was crazy. I, I spin my chair a lot, like it's something <laughs> that I notice, and I just spun it right underneath the desk and really hurt my finger now. Um, so I'm in a lot of pain right now. Just wanted to let everyone know. Just, <laughs> I didn't feel like I could hide it because I reacted in a real way. Um, so The camera anyways, doesn't lie. Yeah. So. The Wranglers, just so that everyone knows, I'm going to repeat it. They do. They are trying to fight off eliminations tonight in Palm Springs. Puck drop at 7 p.m. They're down 2-1 to the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Stay out that box. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, beyond that, um, that's really sort of most of the hockey stuff that I have. Okay, to that's talk fair. About, that's fair. But we can talk St. Peter's. I know you've sure. been there for um, a, a couple practices now. Um, yeah. How you been enjoying it? What have you seen? What's uh, the vibe you're getting? I mean, it's early on. This is really like my second season covering the team, so I'm learning how it all works. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I think the Philpot injury added a little bit of intrigue to Cole Tucker and them getting him signed. I, I kind of whenever I look at the NFL element, I assume that like that guy's a long shot to come up here while he's exploring those opportunities. So the fact that they signed Cole Tucker right away, uh, maybe to you, Danny, that wouldn't have been a big shock. But um, no, I mean, 
the reality is I wasn't paying that close attention to the draft because <laughs> okay. it was my birthday. Um, oh, yeah. I so, saw you after um, the draft. So, yeah. I mean, I had to do a fair bit on, on all of the draft yeah. picks. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think the fact that he the Stamps took him in the first round certainly suggested that they mm-hmm. believed he would be coming up pretty quickly. Right, um, yeah. A guy like Rice and John is, what, six foot seven. He's a ma- so large So he's going to get a yeah. bunch of looks. So, you know, that doesn't mean that, that Cole Tucker won't get an NFL look in a year or two. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's pretty decent money for – if the alternative is to wait around hoping for a practice roster job in the States that may or may not open up, it's like, right, why yeah, not go yeah. – Put some put some film on tape. Or... Is, it, is it as simple, Danny, as like Philpott gets injured? We don't know how long he's out, and like that opportunity now is completely up for grabs. It's like Tucker's to lose, or I don't know if it's Tucker's to lose. I think the stamps are are pretty interesting. So they lost Richardson, Danny. Yeah. So basically, for those who don't know, you basically the stamps play with two Canadian starting receivers, three Americans. Um, Richardson, Danny was one of their Canadians. He is now signed with Hamilton, which I didn't know. Um, it was in my 50 things. and <laughs> The, re- the reunion continues. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. And then Jalen Philpott would have been the other starter. So they lost two Canadian starters. I would expect Luther Hakanavanu sort mm-hmm. of steps in for Sindani. So there's another Canadian spot that until Philpott is back, I think you'd look at Cole Tucker. I think Rice and John will be a end zone option. Yeah, at for least sure. To start. He's massive and can outjump any mm-hmm. CFL DB. So, yeah. um, so it's interesting. I, I, it's not I like don't... Luther's a small guy either. Yeah, he's yeah. I've been waiting, like too. he's had those he had some flashes last season where it's like, okay, like I'm just waiting mm-hmm. for this guy to have his breakout. And that's that's completely it. And I wish that I had my um my roster up because again I am but anyways, their third round draft pick this year, also out of the University of Guelph, um, is is apparently they're really high on. But um ultimately like they do they like you can't just replace Jalen Philpott's speed, especially mm-hmm. for a Canadian. He's so quick. They like having yeah, yeah. him on the outside. Um but I mean, the stamps are going to be fine, honestly. Like they that's... find players, it seems like they're scudding. Well, oh, now they've the added uh, Chris Steele, along with the release of eleven players last night. Uh, former NFL DB signed with oh, the okay. Steelers after he was unselected in the twenty twenty two draft. A couple of preseason games, had some time with Miami, Seattle, Philly, and that like that DB group. Like that's the thing. There's not just a job sitting there waiting like that. Mm-hmm. That DB group is you're, you're going to have to go practice roster mm-hmm. because you go across the board. It's deep. It's deep. You got Trey Roberson at boundary corner. When he's healthy, arguably the best in the league. They're moving Jonathan Moxie to the boundary half. Brandon Dozier, super veteran, high-end guy at safety. Mm-hmm. Titus Wall at Sam's. I think Titus Wall, he would not have won most outstanding rookie last year but had he stayed healthy, but he would have been number two for sure. Mm-hmm. And then Brad Muhammad at, at the oh, yeah. field half. And then Natrell Jamerson, who played like five or six games. Like It's a really, really good deep group. And I didn't even mention Kobe Williams. Like It's it's mm-hmm. fun, and it's not big names, but they've all played, and they're experienced. And I'm just not worried about about. So, okay, so on... And I'm just excited to see what Cameron Judge does in his second season as a stampede. 100%. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true, hey? He's had a really good uh, first season. Yeah, what, was... what would you be, if you were a Stamps fan, what would be like the, the biggest concern or worry for you right now about this team? Uh, I mean, like, look... They need a starting right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Dennis, who I spoke to today, like is at the left tackle position. That's a yeah. vital position for protecting a quarterback. And that um, was Julian Good-Jones that was... And yeah. Julian Good-Jones who signed with the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. So that position right there, like the reason that this team really, really... When this team was at their best, they had the best offensive line in the league and it was not close last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those two tackle positions, just Derek coming off a broken leg, being in his mid-30s yeah. combined with that not knowing who the right tackle is, that worries me a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and look, 
it comes down to one thing, man. What do you think Jake Mayer is? Yeah, that's if fair. Jake Mayer is a top three quarterback in the CFL. The Stampeders team is going to push the Winnipeg Blue Bombers the whole season. Mm -hmm. If he's not, and there were games last year where I understand people were a little nervous about him. Um, I thought he was a young quarterback who had his ups and downs and didn't do great in the playoffs. Um, but that mm -hmm. happens to young quarterbacks, and you have to build from that and get better. Um, if he's if he's just the sixth or seventh best quarterback, starting quarterback in the league, then the Stamps are going to struggle a little bit. Um, and I made very, very clear my number one. I do these 50 takeaways. It's exhausting. I read them. I read them. It was part of my Sunday morning like, routine. I am. I'm not yeah. putting my middle fingers in the air. <laughs> um, but my number one was, look, this team hasn't won a playoff team since 20 or a playoff game since 2018. If you're yeah. a Stampeders fan, that is the thing that is on your mind. Because since John right. Hoffnagel arrived, this team, the minimum expectation was the West Final. Yeah. They haven't been there since 2018, since they won the Grey Cup. So wow. I want to see it. I'm yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not going to treat this team like they're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are mm -hmm. technically the second best, but they're the best team in the CFL. <laughs> and how can I take, um, until the Stamps show it, they lost every game they played to Winnipeg last year. Right, yeah. Like, they didn't win a playoff game for the th third straight season plus covid um so i just that's my thing is i'm like okay go show me show me that this like slight rebuilding project that's happened since you won the great cup in 2018 mm -hmm. has been fruitful that you're ready to actually push the elite teams because winnipeg's not going anywhere for sure i mean i'm intrigued and i think this is one of your points in your column there like when you lose that many key voices whether it's thurman or bo levi or or other veterans that have moved on like who takes up that space like mayor talked about it a little bit last season about how he tried to be more vocal but he felt as a kid in his early 20s kind of new to the game that he only had so much ability to do that like i i wonder who the new voices like we all saw Thurm during post-game scrums or like mm -hmm how livid he was, the tone that he set. Like, who are those people going to be for this team now? Completely. And, and I mean, it's always a process with every yeah. – with, with football in particular where you have just sort of more player movement year to year yeah. than yeah. you do sort of with hockey or, or certainly basketball. Um, it is always a process of replacing mm -hmm. those those veteran voices. And mm -hmm. um, so I don't I, I, I don't know that I'm worried about it. Okay. Um, but it is something to monitor. Yeah, you, you need those guys and Jameer. I mean, I. But already, like, I do think Jake carries a lot of respect with the, just the way he conducts himself. Mm -hmm. He's still yeah. pretty, like, despite ups and downs, he's confident in himself. Seems yeah. pretty unflappable, and like, I do think. Yeah. Bo did do a lot to kind of like. 100%. Bring along and I not mean, try to ostracize him or anything. And that that Mitchell, does make a, an impact. And it's Mitchell. a shame that we're not going to have that rematch at McMahon this year. So stupid. We're also robbed of Nathan Rourke versus Jake Mayer. Yep. Next gen showdown. Mm. Um, oh, is BC not coming to to Calgary this season? Well, Nathan Rourke is. Oh, oh right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, we're talking more about him going to the NFL. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, the fact that. that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are not playing mm -hmm. in Calgary, I have no opinion on. It was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, um, but yeah, no, I have all the confidence in the world that Jake can take that up. I also think it would have been really awkward last year being the backup he takes up from the starter who's a franchise icon. Yeah, uh, for sure. But honestly, like, like, you know, there are only so many people who who currently are are invested and in, in care. It generally, they say the season doesn't start till Labor Day. That is not true. It starts in early June. Um, but I will say that, like, from what I have seen, um, this is a young team mm -hmm. that like literally like there's a confidence and level of self-belief that i haven't always seen 
going That's into good. seasons. And uh, I'm so excited to see Kadeem Carey and Diedrich Mills run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's a lot that I'm excited about. It's going to be great. I wish that I was traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. But um, beyond that, I don't know. It's just I we're kind of wrapping up here. We've got a couple minutes. But it's just like it's the flames sort of loom over everything. For I, sure, yeah. Um, I do... I don't know. I'm really excited for the summer. I think we have a lot going on. Well, even um, the the new basketball team over here will yeah. add yeah. a nice element to the city. And I haven't gone to an Okotoks uh, baseball game uh, yet. Oh, game? No, no, I haven't yet. Oh, we'll have great. to we'll have to you do pick, that. You pick like a beautiful summer night where it's not yeah. smoky as all hell. <laughs> the um, asthma isn't acting up. Yeah. yeah. God. BC. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Let's not get into the forest fires. Um. <laughs> no, no. I was driving from uh, Prince George to Creston and. Stayed an extra day. Yeah. Ended up hanging out with my uh, sister-in-law, niece, and nephew a little longer than I expected. It's like a 10-hour drive if you get a good route. Yeah. Try to go blocked off by wildfire. Like the only oh my way goodness. out of wow. Prince George back to Alberta. That's like the fastest way to go. So can't go that way. Go south. I missed um, a flood cutoff <laughs> by like a couple hours in Cash Creek. Wow. Like there were sinkholes opening up. Like part of the road was gone in some places. Wow. And now like it's just swallowed up. Like BC is crazy. Like that's ridiculous. And even like when I was younger, like mudslides. There's a mudslide mm. on the summit just outside of Creston. There was a mudslide up it's the like lake the, when we were younger, and people wow. had to be like evacuated by boat. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. insane. Holy yeah, God. let's knock on wood because this is already. I mean, beautiful couple of weeks. I know all. Well, I know you and I spent some time on patios because we did it together. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we're certainly paying for it now. So um, I think we're probably pretty good to sort of wrap here. I'm going to do... I know you have places to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do have places to be. Yeah. Uh, let's not talk about my drive back from BC. <laughs> a, day, <laughs> a day early instead of a day late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I just, I'm going to do another ad read uh, and just thank Ski and Sell, Ski Seller Snowboard and Ski Seller Snowboard.com. That's who brought uh, Solemn Valley as our guest. So thank you. And uh, I don't know. I hope big, this was they fun. They just had their people. big parking lot sale. Yeah. yeah. They just had their big parking lot sale. I should have gone. I desperately need a new pair of skis. Well, hey, man, like, keep going. This is like the time of year to go get new ski stuff. Prep up for. And there is still a spring skiing going on. Slush Cup has not yet hit. <laughs> no, that's true. Sunshine Village. That's what? That's this weekend, right? Next weekend? Next weekend, 27th. Um, cool. Well, either way, guys, I don't know. This is super fun. Solemn, you were amazing. Peter oh, Mark, is... amazing too. I uh, had a lot of fun. Hopefully, people enjoy it. I believe Rob is hosting Friday. I think you and I are back next Wednesday. Um,. I don't know, guys. Enjoy the weekend. It's a long weekend. It's a good time. Um, I got Let's get out there and do our best. Make yeah. good choices. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.